0: Welcome to Parallel Quest, a podcast where two friends talk about the stories we love and share our personal stories of the impact they've had on our lives. I'm one of your hosts, Cody Haggard, and alongside, or maybe more accurately said, across the internet from me, my great friend, co-host, author, and secret superhero
1: himself, Zach Butler. Zach, how are you doing today? Dude, I'm doing great, man. Pumped for this episode. Real pumped for this one. Actually, this whole month, really. Yeah. It's going to be a fun month. very exciting. So I guess we might as well just
0: say right up the front here, uh, if you guys can tell by the title, we're going through all of the films of the first phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And over the next four weeks, we're going to go through the entire first, whatever you want to call it, saga of the... MCU, the Infinity Saga, and so the next yes. four episodes will be dedicated to the MCU, so if you love superheroes, you are in store for a treat, but if superheroes aren't your thing, I still think you'll enjoy the discussions we have on this podcast, because, I mean, these movies were released over a period of, what, 12 years? 11 years? 12, yeah. ten um, do yeah, somewhere around there. A lot of time, and basically, mm-hmm. my whole entire adult life. Uh, started with these movies which is is going to be fun to talk about um yeah yeah so uh with that we are so excited that you guys are listening but there is something there is a phenomenon going in on in culture where people are getting so excited about grabbing on to collecting collector's cards trading cards and i've seen it happen with uh, old school Pokemon collectors trying to gobble up those and resell those. And then there is also another big market for sports cards collecting, which, Zach, you have, you have gotten hooked into. And, and oh. tell us a little bit about your collecting adventures because I myself, I, I loved collecting cards, but I was, I was very quick to find out it is, it's hard to turn these things over. And so, mm. so I've kind of avoided it because I also have like, when I get into that type of stuff, I have like addictive spending problems, which are those two types of things. <laughs> don't mix Well, so I've avoided it. Yeah, Zach, yeah. tell me about your adventures with the collecting and trading card market.
1: Oh man. Well, I, I gotta say I'm very new to all this, but just to give a little background, I'm really into the NBA. I'm a big fan of NBA basketball. Got into it when and I'm going to I'm going to be that guy. I know I'll probably get some flack for this, but I'm a big LeBron fan. So when LeBron came into the NBA, he it suddenly got exciting because obviously he came to Cleveland. Cody, you and I are from Cleveland. So all of a sudden, Cleveland sports were relevant to the world. And so it was hard not to be in the Cleveland area and not be a sports fan or at least a Cavaliers fan. So I got into that and it was around that time that I kind of transitioned a little from collecting baseball cards because I was a big baseball card collector. And I grew up in the era of collecting baseball cards when Tops was just, they were just cranking out baseball cards, man. I mean, they there was no value, I feel like, during my childhood with baseball cards because there was just, there were so many. I remember actually as a kid, this was around the time my dad started his business. I was like, I want to start a business too. And I was like, what can I sell? I was like, well, I have a lot of baseball cards. And so I remember I recruited some of my friends. We all went down in my basement and I had them. I didn't do any of the work because, you know, I was the I was the business right, owner, man. Right. I had the ideas. I didn't do the work. <laughs> so I had two of my friends down there and we were sifting through all of my baseball cards and we were trying to make, quote unquote, packs and so we would like get all the pitchers from one team and we'd put them in a rubber band. We're like, we're gonna sell this for $10. This is, this is a pack of pitchers for $10. And then we'd get all like the short stops for a team and we'd package them up. And I ended up selling none of these cards, made no money off of any <laughs> of this, but that, that was like kind of my like first foray into this whole trading card, buying and selling things. So fast forward to 2021, I'm into the NBA right now. I've, always, I've been since, like I said, LeBron came into the league. So I've been tracking it for a while. And just recently, I heard that NBA basketball cards are kind of exploding on, on the market right now, and especially eBay. And for certain reasons, certain people are moving over to selling and buying cards. And the, just in general, the market's big. And I heard this. I was like, man. Like, I feel like I know a lot about the NBA. I feel like I know buying and selling fairly well. Like, I, I'm going to try my hand at this. So as of a couple weeks ago, I started <laughs> very new to this, started getting into it, doing research. And I as I was, I was telling you before the podcast, man, like there's a, there's that learning curve, that initial learning curve. And you go into that learning curve knowing there's a curve and it's still for some reason Catches me off guard. It's still hard. And I like I want to be at the point where I know it all and I can like buy and sell things at will. But I'm at that beginner point still. So my adventures kind of came to a culmination tonight as we're and I'm trying to buy this card. And I don't want to say what it is because it's it's a gift for somebody. And I, I want to I don't know when this will go out and I might not have the card by then. So. But I'm trying to buy this this card and it's 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 a tough card to get because you want to have in the card world a good rating and you want it to be a perfect card. So they usually sell for a little higher. Well, tell me about but tell I me about wanna... rating. What is a what is a rating? Is
0: that based on its condition? Is is that what a rating is?
1: Yeah. So, so there are there are four things that a card gets rated on four aspects of a card. So there's like your corners, your edges, I believe it's the the gloss of the card and then any like scratches. Okay. So they they kind of go through this this criteria and you send your card off to a professional grading system. And they take it takes like 8 months for this whole process to happen. So you ship it off, they look at your card, they eventually ship it back to you and the best ratings are a 10 or a nine and a half, depending on which company you're going with. They have different grading systems. But the best one that has the highest resale value on eBay is a 10 by PSA. And so you kind of look for those cards on on eBay because they're usually the ones that are selling for hundreds of dollars, if not thousands, if not, and I'm not kidding here, millions of dollars. I think recently a basketball card sold for like $4 million, like a rookie card. So this is, yeah, this is the kind of investment you're making. So as I was kind of telling you, it's kind of like playing the stock market. Sure. Like you have baseball cards, you have basketball cards, football cards, like all the major sports. And you're kind of just looking over the entire landscape and trying to. And it's actually a lot of fun for me because I track players when they're in college through the NBA. So it's it's fun to see yeah. their careers. But if you can kind of put some money into it, too. It's also fun. So like like the stock market, you watch these small companies grow and you kind of take your bid early on which ones you think in five to 10, if not 15 or like in LeBron's case, 20 years. Like if he's if they're not going to, you know, make you money and be a a great player. So so anyways, I'm trying to find this great card and I still don't know how the eBay bidding cert like service works and how the whole system works. So I ended up losing tonight two bids on a card that I was like, for sure, I was like, I got this. I'm I think I'm a little bit overpaying for this card and I ended up losing it twice. And so it's it's the whole thing (laughs) has just been it's been fun because I get to finally really dig into the NBA and really look at sometimes some players I've never even heard of that I'm like, holy cow, this card's selling for two hundred dollars right now. And you got to you got to watch market trends and you got to watch how cards are selling and how they're not selling and who might sell in the future. And so it's really exciting right now that we're recording this March of twenty twenty one because the all star break is over. The second half of the NBA season is starting, which means like the the players consider the second half of the season, the real season, like everyone kind of dogs it in the first half of the season. You want to stay healthy. You want to do well enough, you know, to get your team in position, but the second half of the season is when it starts. So my, my adventures in collecting and trading these cards though, man, it's just, it's been a a, a huge time investment, but a fun one at the same time, but also a frustrating one when it comes to actually buying and selling, because it's a lot harder than you think. It's a lot harder to buy good cards at a decent price. You don't want to blow all your money on an expensive card because then you might only turn $20 on it, yet you spent $250 to buy it. So you want to, you got to kind of watch all that. So right now I'm playing with, I'm playing with like, Money on the low end of things, like anything under hundred dollars, right now. And those who are listening, if they like buy and sell cards, are probably laughing at me, like "hump hundred a hundred dollars, dude, you're never gonna like make any money." But I gotta get my feet yeah, wet go. first, yeah. you know. Like I gotta d- dip my toe in the yeah. pool to see if like this is something I want to yeah. do. So it's it's been fun though. Tonight I'm really frustrated that I lost two two bids, but that's just another part of the learning curve, man. But it's 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 really fun. I don't know if you were. Like, have you even tried selling cards? I tried selling Pokemon cards when I thought the fad was ending. And I mean, here we are in 2021 and Pokemon's still a huge thing. Yeah. So who knows what some of those holographic, like Blast Toys and like Charizard cards that we had back in the day were worth. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, how could we know when we were 10? But yeah. I, I remember selling those at like, garage sales and I made like 20 bucks one summer <laughs> selling them at a garage sale. I was like, man, I'm making a killing. See, now for us, the rumors of the value of those things had circulated pretty well. So
0: there was people who were saying like, yeah, man, you get a holographic Charizard. The things were like million bucks. Easy. <laughs>
1: so, <laughs> But I mean, a little we were like Ted. So it's like, of course, yeah, yeah a million Infl- bucks. Like inflated,
0: knew. <laughs> not knowing that, hey, if you turn it around for 200 bucks, that's still like really good. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and as far as to answer your question about if I've ever messed with selling cards, I've never tried to sell any of my old cards cuz unfortunately they're just not in great condition. Um so mm, I kind of keep them for key. keepsakes more than anything. Um I still have like mm-hmm. I still have my holographic first edition Zapdos that came in the first starter pack I ever got as a as a Pokemon kid. Uh oh,
1: so I man. still have
0: that. Um And I I don't think it's worth anything, but I still have it. It's kind of like a keepsake more than anything. Um, But when I was playing Star Wars Destiny, uh, what was that, four years ago? I -hmm. used to take Mm -hmm. individuals and sell those, the valuable ones, um, because me and my friend would go halves on a box. So we'd split the cost of a box, and we'd split it like everybody got – uh, an equal amount of every rarity we drafted the box right yeah and so okay and so then what i would do is i would sell my valuable individuals and just use it to buy more boxes mm-hmm. so that basically i was because i just wanted to play the game i didn't really care about what i had i just wanted to play right yeah so i basically yeah. used any money that i could make off the game to just get a bigger collection so i could make more decks get more of um, yeah yeah so that's the only <laughs> time i've really experimented with buying and selling cars it, and it was really easy because the game was pretty popular at the time um unfortunately yeah. it's dead now it's gone um and you you would sell these on ebay no not ebay um i would actually sell them to uh team covenant uh team covenant's website oh yeah, so really buy, like they're therefore uh they'll buy anything of the big trading card yeah. trade, magic destiny at the time Yu Gi Oh, pokemon they'll buy it um but team team huh. pokemon is more it's not so much the collector's market as it is like the
1: player's market right so, yeah you know, yeah yeah. Are, yeah they're very into yeah. the the player's yeah. experience kind of yeah you know. so
0: that's kind of what circulates through them and then there's a local local card shop which if he would have taken destiny at the time i would have sold it to him but he wouldn't take it because mm. he's He's not. Yeah. Quite, he didn't have a. He didn't have a player base. But anyway, we're talking about really mm. nerdy stuff that has nothing to do <laughs> with the MCU. The MCU is most certainly a nerdy thing, but this is a different, um, different nerd. Yeah. Scene,
1: but uh, very, yeah, very sp- different. But hey, speaking of the MCU, man, and yeah. movies, see here, you might have almost gone to a movie theater this past I weekend. I was so close. I was, I was this close, All right.
0: and so it, it's funny because as I as we're going through these MCU movies, I kind of been thinking through writing like a essay on each movie, like a contemplative essay that goes over like what's a strong element of storytelling in each movie of the MCU, and as I rewatched these over the past few weeks. Um I was totally burnt out by the end by the way. I did make it all the way through. And <laughs> oh good for uh, you. There was man. a couple I skipped. Ones that I had seen more recently I skipped uh that I had known pretty well. Um mm. but the the thing that I was thinking was holy cow like movie theater going was at a very good level when MCU movies were coming out. Now, I know that the movie theaters in general kind of struggled outside of big blockbusters. Um like the massive blockbusters did pretty well, but it was just like yeah. it was something every year for 10 years we looked forward to going to the movie theater to see, you know, what's the next thing they're going to do. And mm-hmm. now like the last year the theater itself is just like it's an afterthought. It's an afterthought. I I don't wake up. Oh yeah! I don't wake up any given day and be like, "Oh, I wonder what's playing at the movie theater."
1: I just forget that it's even a thing, right? Because that's so true, man. That's so like you. I haven't even thought of what is out in theaters yeah. right now. Haven't even considered. I mean, I used to look at IMDb once a month yeah. just to yeah, see to what's see out, what's going. On. I haven't yeah. looked at it in months. Yeah, it's same here. And months. you know, I was just
0: like. I'm getting a little stir crazy in the house because you're getting to that point, right? Winter's kind of coming to an end and spring's coming and it's just like, you know, let's get out of the house. Let's do something. So Saturday, I was yeah. like, you know, let's get out of the house. Let's do something. Let's let's go see a movie. Let's do it. You know what? I don't care about the COVID stuff anymore um, because we're we're getting to a point where it's getting pretty close. We're getting pretty close to a lot of vaccines out there. and <laughs> You know, if a movie theater's open and they say it's safe, I'm just going to say, you know, it's safe. Um, and so, you know, Good. I've been yep. wearing my mask at Walmart and the grocery store. And, you know, if I do it at the movie theater, what's, you know, what's the difference? And yeah, so I, I think, and I'm like, okay, so let's just take the family. Let's go see a movie. And so there is a kid's movie out. It's called, uh, Raya and the last dragon, something along those lines, a mm-hmm. uh, Disney movie, and, you know, looks like it looks like a good like for me, it's like I like it because, you know, I got a little girl and it looks like a, you know, um, female warrior going on the hero's journey. That's what the, that's what the movie looks like. You mm-hmm. know, I could probably tell yeah. you everything that happens in the movie just from the marketing, but that doesn't matter. I know the kids would enjoy it. And <laughs> and so anyway, I you know, I'm, I'm excited. And the family's excited. And we're getting ready for the movie, but because of COVID stuff, the movie theater doesn't even start start showing movies till three o'clock. When I've taken my kids to the movies in the past, we're like you know first showing, like ten forty five, eleven a.m. movie because. Oh my gosh, dude! I got that's still I got that's still the a.m. man. I've got three little ones, dude, and let me tell oh, you, they are God. at their best when it's early. Trust me, trust dude, me.
1: Dude, I don't think I have ever seen a movie before. 5 p.m., so oh. that is a, what's the clientele that are in a movie theater at 10 a.m., man? I gotta know. Parents and their little kids. <laughs> it's okay. That's
0: exactly what <laughs> it is, so much, man. Hey, hey, <laughs> because there's like there's, good crowd. there's this understanding that those movies are for the people who it's like, well, hey, if your kids are like running around the theater a little bit or making some noise, it's like, oh, hey, we're all in here doing it. Nobody cares, right? If you go to like the primetime showing, you're like the person who then everyone's like staring at, like. I'm here trying to watch my favorite yeah, yeah, Pixar yeah. movie, man. Chill out. And then you look over at the Dude, guy. It's like, you're 50 think, years
1: old. Relax. I didn't even know a movie theater honestly opened before like 2 p.m. So you've, you've already enlightened me with this story. <laughs> Dude, like, really? You didn't know that movies start early? Like they, they no, open I at like I mean, 11? early would been – no, early would be 1 p.m. for me. <laughs> like that would be the earliest – I would see a movie, but in the morning when the clock still says AM on it, I didn't even think movie theaters were open. So when Haas and I were in college,
0: uh, we were in college, married, and uh, also wanted to have some type of dating life, and to go see a movie in Chicago was like 13 bucks a person, and so that was just like out the window, like no way, no no way, and so, so anyway, we actually used to go, there was an early bird special on Saturday mornings, if you went before like, before noon, movies were like five dollars. And yeah, and so we would we would go early on Saturdays. Like we were, you know, it was us, and oh, then my. the people with the little kids, and then the sixty five year olds. It was a it was an interesting <laughs> yeah, dynamic. People were up at four a.m. So, <laughs> anyways. So anyway, <laughs> uh, back to the movie going, and we're getting close, but the movie doesn't start till three forty five. First showing of a kids' movie, and I just know I'm like, ah, is this, be, this, is this is gonna be, this is gonna be dicey. This would be be tough <laughs> because our our youngest, our daughter, goes to bed at seven. And she's kind of weaned herself off of naps. And with mm-hmm. that comes this early evening just meltdown. It's just like, it just, the yeah. wheels start falling off. And it isn't an everyday thing because she's getting used to not taking a nap. She kind of really needs one still. But, you know, with two older brothers who are up and about and not doing naps, it, you know, mm-hmm. it's just with you lay her down and she's just like well everybody else is up what the heck why am i yeah. here you know yeah, yeah, yeah. and so yeah. it just it's not worth the hassle cuz you spend all day trying to get her to take a nap and then it's just it's it's not fun and so you just kind of let it go and you deal with the you deal with the early evening meltdown as i like to say and so <laughs> anyway the uh the meltdown this particular weekend was contagious and so oh, yeah. Uh, we had let we had let the kids stay up probably way too late on Friday. That was that was mistake number one. Mm-hmm. Um, let the kids stay up too late because we were watching. You know, we were finishing up our MCU journey, and you know the boys were kind of huddled up. They were like in and out of Endgame, and, and before you mm-hmm. know it, it's like I look at the clock. And I'm like, oh shoot, it's eleven o'clock, and you guys you guys are supposed <laughs> to be in bed like three hours ago. And so. Oh jeez! So, anyway, um, got them to bed way too way too late, and they were up way too early for how late they were. Uh, and so, you know, Arya still went to bed at her normal time, and then she starts like the early evening meltdown. And then it's like, okay, whatever, we'll just take the boys. It's not a big deal. We all wanted to go as a family, but you know that's kind of the sacrifices you make as a parents. Like uh, sometimes you got to divide and conquer.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and then my oldest just starts losing it over the the most ridiculous of things. Like, it's just like, it starts melting down. It's like, oh, jeez. Not you And then he's like, you know what? <laughs> I don't even want to go to the movie. I think oh. he, wa- he wanted me to, like, buy him, like, a new video game or something instead of going to the movies. And I'm like, no. Oh, like, this my is-
1: gosh. <laughs> like, yeah, that wasn't even on the table, this man. What are you on talking the table about? And, like, everything we buy doesn't need to be for you. Yeah. Like, he's- Also, this what did this become a negotiation right, yeah i'm yeah. taking you to the movies exactly exactly
0: and so he's all he's all like trying to negotiate you know being able to a video game it's just like no like that that wasn't the point it was supposed to be a day out together doing something together and he's like just
1: use my money for taking on a game And it's like no that's not what we're doing like so, you know i wish i could do that you know like instead of Instead of cooking me dinner, just, you know, buy me a few more collectible dang, cards. Dang. That's all I want. Like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> So anyway, it, 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 we're so close. And then it's just like, uh, we're not going to be able to do it, guys. We, we're just not yeah. going to be able to do it. And no so what we did is we kind of, we kind of. Jerry rigged a movie going experience. You know, I went and I gathered like some mm-hmm. some candy and some popcorn <laughs> yep, yep. and dim the lights at home. Hey, Tur- we've all been there, man. <laughs> turned on a movie that I didn't have to pay for, and just bam, movie night. <laughs> and then everyone went yeah. to bed early. So <laughs> <laughs> perfect, hey, win win for you, man. <laughs> yeah, my actually my daughter she was asleep that evening by like six o'clock, so the movie wouldn't oh. even have been close to over. Yeah, and and, that doesn't mean I couldn't have taken the boys. But then, when my oldest started the meltdown, it's like you know, yeah, he's telling me he doesn't even want to go. And then my middle son was like, you know what? It's okay if we stay home. And I was like, dude, you 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 deserve you deserve a special day just for you. You kept your cool, man. (laughs) You deserve (laughs) it. And then he uh, he just he decided he did. You know, we'll go another another day. And so anyway, that was. We were so close. We were this close. And oh, man. I was super excited about it. I was like, man, you know what, take the family
1: out and I know, yeah. Especially a movie yeah. in these times. I mean, I never thought I would say that. I mean, I was always excited to go to the movies, but I just I haven't been to a movie theater. I can't even remember the last movie. I actually I think it was probably Star Wars. The last one was the last movie I was in yeah. an actual theater to see. Yeah. And, t- and tickets oh. are tickets are pretty cheap, man. Like
0: Oh, I'm like, sure. They're yeah. charging matinee prices for, you know, weekend evenings uh, yeah. at the at the movie like, theater I was going to go to. And it's like, well, I man,
1: geez, you know. Hey, once they lower the price of popcorn, then I'll be there. Like, liter- Till that happens, not stepping <laughs> foot inside a movie theater. Literally, it would have cost as much like
0: for me to buy the movie on Disney Plus for the, like the premium viewing or whatever, because it's 30 bucks. And it would have cost me 30 bucks to take five people to the theater. And it's like, well, you know. Might as well go see it on the bigger screen, right? And
1: yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: I know a lot of people would rather like. A lot of people are excited about like the the movies released at home, and for me, it's just like mm.
1: it's
0: like there's just some movies you don't want to watch at home. And maybe it's because me, because like I don't have like a speaker system or a sound system. I just have like a you know yeah a basic forty three inch TV or whatever. Uh, so maybe I just you know I gotta get I gotta get indoctrinated into the uh, you know multi thousand dollar yeah. home theater I mean- experience, but. Dude, I, I really I love the movie theater, man. I like I love the big screen. I love when you can feel your seat shaking from the sound. It's like, yeah, that's, yeah. Nice. that's what it's all Dude, about. Dude,
1: I man. I agree, man. Like, there's it's not a convenience thing for me for a movie theater. It's it's a the experience. Yeah. It's like I want to go where I get overpriced popcorn that's just <laughs> doused in butter. I want a giant overpriced Coke. I want to sit in a chair that shakes when in, there's loud noises and my feet stick to the ground. And I want to, to like, ground, yes, yes. I, th- I want to experience that, man. Like, I want all of that. That is why I go to a movie theater. I don't go because like the mo- like I go because the new movie is out. But yeah, for sure. I mean, like you said, anymore. I mean, they're bringing it to the to the home theater. I mean, they're bringing it to your, you know, Netflixes your Disney pluses and stuff. You can get those movies at home. But I don't know. I mean, I think it'll always be that way, like going to the movie theater and just experiencing that. And some of my favorite movie, I mean, all of my favorite movie experiences have come from a movie theater, man. I mean, you sit in there and you're so excited with everyone else. That's just as pumped. Like when star Wars came back out, when the force awakens came back out and you were in a theater packed with people just like you and just cheered at like, I mean, there's nothing like cheering in a movie theater, man. Like just clapping away at some awesome scene and like high fiving people around you. It's just that that experience is something that yep. will never be be, you know, it'll never overcome a, a home theater experience. But yeah, sure. I get it when you have kids though. That is also different. You kind of it want is. not a non-mel down to happen at the theater. It's not the ideal yeah. place to have a meltdown.
0: But my boys are older, so for the most part like I have no I have no worry that they wouldn't be great during a movie, right? Yeah, they're yeah. they're 5 and 6 now. Uh when they were a little younger like cuz we started taking them to the movies when my second son, Ezra, when he was like three is the first time we tried going to a movie. So we had a three and a four-year-old. That was a little intense. Um, <laughs> that was a little early. It was a little intense. It was intense. Yeah. It was fun, but mm-hmm. I'm glad we went at like 1130 in the morning and, you know, surrounded by <laughs> our type of people. <laughs> so. yeah. There you go. There you go. But anyway, let's do a, let's do a quick. We're going to move into real quick here. Zach, tell us a little bit about. Your book, Something Strange at Grandma's House, which is out now and available at com slash books because, guys, it's a great book. So check
1: it out. Hey, Terror Town's got a second installment. Something Strange at Grandma's House out now. It's been out for a few weeks now. Um, Go check it out. It's on Amazon or at Amazon on Kindle. Um, we're looking into getting hard copies. It's a little more challenging than I thought it would be. I promise that's going to be coming, but Something Strange at Grandma's House. Go check it out. It's the second installment. I had a lot of fun writing this one. Um, I feel stronger every time I write a new Terror Town book. I feel like I'm kind of getting more into the town, the weirdness of it all. And if I could just talk a little bit about what the book is about, it is about a girl named jessica bird and she i once again man i forgot to write up a a a book blurb so this is going off just the top of my head but the book is about jessica bird she is going to her grandma's house she's going to spend a long weekend at her grandma's house and you know her grandma is the most boring person she's ever met she does nothing she sleeps she plays rummy she watches old shows. She's just not excited to go see her grandma. And what's worse is her parents are going to be going on vacation without her. So Jessica is prepared to spend a boring weekend at her grandma's house until she arrives. And she sees a boy standing in the window of her room. From there, Jessica starts to unravel the mystery and the weirdness of of Oakville Creek and especially her grandma's house. Because if there's one thing that is strange about grandma's house, it's that green light that comes from a forbidden back room Mm. that Jessica just can't stay away from. So go check out something strange at grandma's house. Second installment of the Terra town series. It's a good one. Um, Thanks for everyone who has already bought one. You guys are awesome. We've, we've had a great few weeks of sales Um, more than, you know, the previous one nightmare at the fair. So that's a huge plus. So thank you guys for, you know, stepping up, pick, picking up the book. Um, really, really appreciate you guys.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys all who've picked it up and, and we're going to keep promoting this to you every week. So, so you will hear more about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> but let's get, let's get started in our main topic. But before we kind of get into the MCU, I figured let's warm up. Let's warm up with talking about some superpower stuff. And we'll do, this, we'll do this pretty quick. Because here's the reality. I think one of the things that makes superheroes so interesting is that when we read comic books or we watch superhero movies, I think the people who can relate to them the most are those who feel weak and wish that they could just be a little stronger. Or just mm. the fact that you watch a superhero and you're like, yeah, I'm weak compared to that guy, you know, or that girl. And one of the things that happens when you when you watch a superhero movie, read a comic, you start to evaluate, like, hey, like if I could have a superpower, I want that one. Or on the other side, you're like, if I had a superpower, I really hope that I don't get that one. And that doesn't <laughs> necessarily mean that they're objectively bad. It's just there's a little bit more. Lame than the other ones. So each of us have decided to, if we could pick our superpower, unfortunately, oftentimes you don't get to, but if you could pick your superpower, we have each said one that we think would be great to have and one that if we got it, we think it'd be kind of lame. So, Zach, I'm going to have you go ahead and start us off with one great and one lame superpower.
1: All right, man. My great superpower, and this is, I mean, this is honestly the one I would take if I was... Signing up for a superpower and was guaranteed to get it, I would take teleportation, man. That's a good one. Because, come on, how many times have you been? I mean, let's just take a normal occurrence sitting on the couch and the remote's on the other side of the room. Dude, you don't want to get up and walk over there, no and way. pick it up, Absolutely not. walk back to your seat, sit back down. How cool would it be? Just be like, eh, all right, poof, I'm over there. <laughs> Here's the remote. Poof. There back in my chair. Didn't even have to walk. No steps. <laughs> nice. Hanging out. Yep. You know, or I can't tell you how many times I'm up in my office here. I'm writing away. I go to take a sip of my tea and I'm like, shoot, I'm all out of tea. Now I got to walk all the way downstairs, turn on the electric pod, get the tea going. Dude, I would love to just poof just downstairs. Next to get it going. I mean, you save so much and, time. And poof you save right back m- up to do some work and while it's heating up your water. Right. It's, exactly. Up. I don't have to sit down there and babysit nope. it, man. I just got to poof, poof, poof. I'm oh, all man. over the place. The time that I would save, the money I would save if I want to travel, poof, I'm out there. So I got to say teleportation is my number one. I wish I had it. I wish I had it. I'm very jealous of Nightcrawler from X-Men. Dude,
0: I was just gonna say, I was just gonna say Nightcrawler. <laughs>
1: Nightcrawler's your guy, isn't he? <laughs> he's my dude. I love him. He's my nice. favorite X-Men. Nice. So like I kind of took from him, but I mean, he's got something going on. He's got he's he, he's got the right superpower. Nice. But on the opposite side, the lamest superpower, man, and I think I I think I've got a lot of fan appreciation uh, here. I think <laughs> I'll get a lot of support from them. I don't even know what to call this power, other than just saying The power to talk to fish, man. I mean, I'm looking at you, Aquaman. Poor Aquaman, man. This guy gets so much for this. (laughs) Listen, I get get you got other superpowers. I get you can do other things. But having a main superpower that is solely based on aquatic animals, it's just like, I mean, what are you going to do with that, man? I mean, I live in Pittsburgh, and I got, thankfully, a few rivers running through my city but i mean i'm not summoning anything more than a you know a, a catfish out of the river to do any damage mm-hmm. so and even then most i feel like most oceanic fish aren't all that threatening like you're going to have to be in a certain area where certain fish are to talk to them and then why would you even want to talk to a fish anyways i mean I mean, I'm what only hanging out with, with the orca, and that is it. Like, that's the only I mean, that's the only
0: aquatic animal not? that I'm having any business with because they're fast, they're huge, and they're deadly. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. I mean, why waste your time on anything else, no man? Like, reason. You're not going to be talking to your goldfish in a bowl. Like, you just, like, I don't know. I, I, I feel like the power to talk to fish slash Aquaman is kind of the lamest one of the lamest superpowers. I mean, it's definitely one of the lamest. And one
0: of the things that I'll at least say is, is I thought about saying this one. And then I looked it up, and it's actually described as the ability to telepathically control and communicate with all creatures of the sea. And I was like, man, you know, I mean, that I could I could be pretty deadly. And here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't think it's a great superpower. I'm not defending that I would want to be able to talk to fish. Um, But I was thinking, I was like, uh, it's it just, it's such, it's such an easy jab. I'll, I'll leave it to see if Zach says it because it's, it's, it's <laughs> dude, I'll take that low hanging. It's, a, it's, it's an easy one to jab at. But then I was thinking, like, you know, Aquaman, he's the son of Poseidon. Poseidon's a Greek god. If you have that power in Greece, Mediterranean Sea, I mean, that's powerful, right? Like, you know, especially like if the Kraken exists, game over. I, I'll okay? give you that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. We're in Scotland, Loch Ness Monster, game over. You're the king of Scotland. I mean.
1: But if you're in the water, that's the that's the ca- the caveat to all this. Is if you're near or in the water, I get it. Leviat, <laughs> Leviathan, water dragon. I mean, it's you knows potential there. Dude, if you're hanging out in Kazakhstan, <laughs> dude, you, do, what are you going to do? <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? What are you going to control? Well, let's just no be honest. business
0: there there is a there's a direct relationship between between uh power of the sea and power of the
1: world at least before we had planes (laughs) (laughs) so So that is my lame one man i will take that low-hanging fruit uh, because i think uh, and always will think it's the lamest one but why don't you give me your your great and your lame one man
0: all right, so for me, one of the ones I've always thought was great is is the fact of just having super speed. Like, like if there's just one attribute you could have, like, super speed feels to me like the one that just could get you so far. Now, teleportation, what you mentioned, definitely seems like, as I think about it, it's like, well, that kind of trumps super speed because you're just, like, you know, whatever. But, however... Yeah. I didn't I didn't think it's teleportation, all right? Super speed first thing that came to mind.
1: And they complement each other. They're pretty good together. And so,
0: you know, the one thing I could say with, you know, super speed is that if you get real deep into the weeds of the lore of DC comics, I mean, there's a chance that the super speed could assist you with time travel, which would be mm-hmm. sweet. Mm-hmm. And yep. so, anyway, it's just a power that I always thought would be so awesome. Like, super strength would be cool, but don't get me wrong. Like, I've, I feel like speed beats strength every time. Because mm. you got to catch me to kill me. And, mm. you know, if you can't catch me, I mean, game over, right? Like, you yeah. got to outsmart yeah. me. Maybe maybe teleportation versus super speed. I mean, that's a great fight. Let's just be honest. This is, that's a great rumble. Um, you know, Quicksilver versus Nightcrawler, I'd love to see it. And Ooh. so, <clears throat> yeah. anyway, that's, yeah. the, that's the one that came to my mind of a great one. Uh, just personally, it's one I would like, and the the one that I think is just lame, and this is actually a series of comics that, that I read and I got into as a kid, but the main character in the Fantastic Four has the dumbest superpower. <laughs> like, let's just be honest. Like, yeah. <laughs> Elastigirl pulls it off pretty cool, that's a Pixar movie.
1: Yeah.
0: Like I never got the appeal of the elasticity. The elasticity of Reed Richards, and that's like his superpower. And the Fantastic Four are like iconic Marvel heroes, and we're really leading it up with a guy who can turn into a raft and a trampoline (laughs) or a parachute. It's like Tony's the wrong. leader. I could see the power. I could see the potential, and I think it was one of those things where elasticity was kind of like so lame that they're like, okay, what what he can do is he can focus all of his mass into one portion of his body to be super strong, and it's like, well, so he has to use elasticity to get super strength, which is a power, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there are some cool things you could do. With elasticity, right? Like someone goes to punch you, and you can absorb the blow, right? Like you can. There's some tricks you can pull, but let's just be honest. If I gotta be the guy in the superhero crew, I don't want to be the guy who shows up like, "Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Rubber Band Man." Like that. That is not what I want. So
1: now, would you, if you unfortunately had the power of elasticity? I mean, you'd have to be a pretty good wrestler, right? Like, would you? I mean, you'd be an what, what would your sport be? I feel like it has to be wrestling or, like, jiu-jitsu or something. High jump. Like, easy. High <laughs> jump. Just How would stretch jump? right over it, man. <laughs> you just, like, you break all the now,
0: records. Okay. That makes sense. Because you just rubber band your body. Just, like,
1: whoop. Would ping. you? Would you? I don't know if that's jumping, though. I think that's just stepping.
0: It's Hey, feet leave the ground. It's a jump okay that's not right, stepping right. like you you actually like you
1: stretch your upper body you'd vault over like normal. you gotta oh you, you kind like spring yourself yeah, okay yeah, i see exactly. i see what you're saying okay but would you if you had super speed it'd be amazing elasticity, tackler in football
0: dude like from just like be across phenomenal. the field. you
1: wouldn't have to move <laughs> just, you just, boom, just look like it right right.
0: like that's the problem
1: and <laughs> it wouldn't look cool yeah, yeah and i'm
0: pretty sure the ways that the rules of elasticity work too is like I think the reason why Reed Richards always has to wear that dumb Fantastic Four suit is because, like, you know, the clothing you wear isn't elastic. So right, that's you, know, you got to wear, wear material that's equally elastic to your elasticity. So you are inhibited by the clothing you wear, or you just got to go around
1: naked, one or the other. Well, is there a limit to his elasticity, or is, he, is it infinite? Like, if he really wanted to, could he stretch around the world? I don't think so. I don't no, think I, I mean, limit? I
0: don't know, but I mean, that just seems, <laughs> I'm just well, I'm, I'm
1: just yeah, it I'm seems just, to know, be
0: really ridiculous. Throwing before. out questions.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But would you have a moral compromise if you had super speed or elasticity <clears throat> and you were playing in like a high school or college sport or even professional sport? I feel like you'd have to start in high school, though, if you had this if you were born with this bill, like ability, would you use it in order to? You know, win a track meet, win a wrestling match. I mean, oh, man. I would, would like to use a, a little, little bit. What's 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 too hey. much? What's what's just enough? I mean,
0: I'd like to say that I would restrain myself, but man, super speed on a football field would just be. <sighs> man, I don't need. I, mean, I don't. I don't need to be using super speed. But hey, I run a four zero flat in the forty. I mean, that's. I mean.
1: That's, I mean I mean, that what, natural, what natural, right? what's one percent of your super speed? I mean, that's right? the thing. What's yeah. what's two percent? Yeah. What's five percent? Why not use a little bit of that? I mean, that's who's right. to say that's not a natural? I mean, I just I'm just saying. Yeah. I don't know. If I had super speed, I'd probably be yeah. using a little bit of that. I, and I think super speed and super strength. And
0: kind of like the super physical attributes, you can kind of do that. You can veil them a little bit, right? So you only, you, mm-hmm. you know, you hold back. Elasticity, I don't know how you restrain that. Much, <laughs> you know? yeah. Teleportation. I, do feel like a more I don't know how you restrain teleportation. It's like, wait a minute. No, that, that dude, guy, that's
1: the lazy man. <laughs> that guy literally just disappeared power. and <laughs> yeah, else. Like, there's, there's no get around <laughs> that one. That's just being lazy. That's, <laughs> that's I, I'm saving time and money. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's the frugal man's superpower.
0: Yep, yep. And so, oh man, I love talking superpowers. I love talking superheroes. So let's get into it, man. Let's Let's get into the main topic for today. Talking Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 1. So that means we are going to be talking six movies in one podcast. That's Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor... Captain America, The First Avenger, and The adventures. So yep. we have a lot to go through. And so for those of you who are listening, those of you who are watching, we're going to put timestamps in the notes of when we talk about each specific one. So we're going to make it as easy as possible. It might go a little long, so you can just jump in and out relatively easy. Go to the the ones you like or you want to hear about. And so just really looking forward to having this discussion. But before mm-hmm. we get into the actual films, let's do a little brief history of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I'm going to start off by saying there is so much, so much <laughs> stuff yeah. about the MCU. Because I, I know that someday, somewhere down the road, maybe a couple of years down the road, we're going to have a nice, well-done documentary on how this all came together and how it was all done and i can't wait to, to mm-hmm. watch it because i know it's i know that it's got to be in the workings somewhere oh, um yeah it's it's definitely in the works uh, i actually mm-hmm. saw that they are releasing like a nice like high quality uh book like encyclopedia type of deal that goes through like the history of the mcu and uh it's uh, coming out it's coming out yeah. in, the, uh, in the fall um Cause I I was trying to look for ways I could research this more thoroughly, uh, Mm -hmm. came across as a book about the MCU, like phases one and two, I think coming out in the fall. And, uh, that might be an interesting read, rather expensive. it was like a $40 book, like nice hardcover edition, but yeah,
1: yeah, uh, that might be, I mean, you gotta think man, that when Marvel, the people at Marvel sat down to map out at least this first phase and then realized, oh my gosh. We've got 12 years of movies. Like, you had to think, they're like, we are going to make bank on this franchise. Like, the, the the endless opportunity that can come from these movies, books, revitalizing comics, yeah. like, that's just, those are just byproducts of just kind of making superhero movies. But then you have, you know editions you've got video games you've got who knows even 20 years from now reboots of some of these which unfortunately i don't think they need them but you know it's gonna happen like they just they know they've they've struck gold with mapping this out and they deserve it man i mean this is one of the and i i was saying this to my family recently but i think the marvel cinematic universe and what they did to tie in all these movies and characters, but also give them their own spotlight and to develop them. is one of the amazing feats that has ever been done in, in cinema ever. Maybe storytelling.
0: I mean, not just cinema,
1: just like storytelling in general. Like it is, it's Mm, incredible. It's an, it's almost unimaginable to like think that people actually sat down and planned out this 12 year, just this first fit. Like, first saga like yeah. this is just the first of who knows how many they have planned or want to do but they did this first one very very yeah. well so yeah. we're gonna get into phase one here yep. but i just wanted to put that up yeah, front like sure. this is this even this first phase of this first saga is they knocked it out of the park with this first phase by the way like i was Lee and i are going through all of the marvel movies right now we just finished the first phase tonight before recording this and I forgot how just awesome the first phase is like this great movies. They really knocked it out of the park I, with this I first feel phase. Like
0: phase one has probably what I would consider to be like the, the better storytelling, like consistently mm. out of all the phases. Like there are movies in some of the other phases that I think end up surpassing uh, some of the other ones, but this one consistently yeah. was just like, because it was something new. It felt like they were trying to do something new. And we'll talk about that more as we mm. kind of go through them. But in the, what's interesting, though, Zach, you mentioned, like, how they're sitting on a cash cow. But in the beginning, this was kind of a big risk. Because superheroes were still, like, a pretty niche thing. Like, we're talking about these movies kind of started to go into development when, like, Big war, big battle movies were kind of like the big blockbusters, right? Like you had just kind of come out of Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings, you had just you had just kind of gone through the phase of like we mentioned, like we were talking about the other night, like Gladiator, Patriot, all these big war movies. It was kind of like big war movies was big box office back then, right? And and mm-hmm. then of course you yeah. got born, and then you got the reboot of Bond, and it's like, well, how are these superhero movies gonna come and compete with like these giants, right? And so Mm. uh, it was a little bit of a risk. And so what happened is in 2005, Marvel had recently acquired the film rights back to Iron Man. Iron Man, they did not have the film rights to. It actually belonged to New Line Cinema. New Line Cinema could Mm. not meet a deadline for (laughs) their film project. And because of that, they lost the film rights and so marvel had then because of projects with thor that had fallen out and captain america that had fallen out like all of the 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 avengers were like other studios had the film rights and then yeah. 2005 it just kind of all came together where marvel was now sitting back on all their film rights for the original avengers and so Kevin Feige, a young uh, young producer at the time, kind of threw out this idea like, "Hey, what if we make a series of movies that are about the individual members of the Avengers and then we create this movie that, you know, they just kind of come together at some point." Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it was more organized than that, but I think the original pitch was a lot more a lot more vague than how detailed it ended up getting on down the road. Mm. So
1: the uh, go ahead. Go ahead I, w- I was just gonna say, like, the the idea for that is kind of out of left field for that time, like 2005. Absolutely, there are not many superhero movies in the mid 2000s, and even towards the late. I mean, Transformers was just starting to be rumored, like, I, I mean, S- Spider Man kind of rose and fell real quickly, like, it, you just you didn't have superhero movies so like I was kind of when you're saying New Line didn't make a Iron Man movie I was kind of like well they're lost but at the same time if I was New Line in the 2000s why would I go into my backlog and look up Iron Man who no one has heard of in decades honestly and make a movie about him like he's kind of he wasn't even a cultural thing in the in the 2000s yeah. so and new line was all about like indie movies and more like dr- like dramas and stuff so mm-hmm. like they had no reason to make an iron man movie so it made sense that they would just kind of hand it back over to marvel so marvel kind of had a perfect storm of just getting all of their rights back because nobody wanted to make them because it didn't make sense to make them
0: and a new line too also just finished like we mentioned new line just finished making lord of the rings lord of the rings wrapped in 2003 oh that's right that's a new line yeah movie. and that's huge intellectual bracket. Yeah. Like, gigantic, (laughs) right? Um, Groundbreaking for its time. And, like, I really think, too, and and we'll get into this, we have a section where we'll kind of break down the state of 2008 in superhero movies. You know, Mm -hmm. superheroes, like you did, you had the X-Men, you had Spider-Man, you had some things that were tried. You had the Punisher. And it was kind of one of Mm -hmm. those things where, yeah, they were good, but then they fizzled out, right? And even multi-movie series, like, historically, trilogies, five-parters, like Rocky movies, like, as they went on, people just got fatigued. Like, it mm-hmm. wasn't like they got better, and people were excited to be seeing these I things.
1: Mean, even The Matrix, which yeah. people were hyped for yeah. in 2000, just laid an egg with yeah. the second one, and no one was excited for the third one. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, just multi-series, like you said, we yeah, multi-series movies just just don't really do well just imagine
0: kevin feige being like yeah we're gonna make
1: (laughs) that he's like we're gonna make six six movies
0: and everyone's just looking i'm like you know the series that make like six movies let's let's talk about them a little bit we got rocky we got rambo we got (laughs) uh we got the alien and the predator things going on over there yeah um
1: (laughs) Feel like we're not we're not good company here. <laughs> feel like these movies that have these
0: huge series kind of have a relationship with the more movies you make, the lower the quality, right? <laughs> so yeah. you want to sign on for this. And so anyway, the uh, the produce the the lead guy uh, I can't remember his name. I should have wrote it down. I think it's like Ava Arda or something like that. Uh, his, mm-hmm. uh, his last name was Arda. I can't remember his first name. Was able to secure a loan. For five hundred eighty-five million dollars from the Merrill Lynch company, and that was like the budget for this thing, like starting the off the MCU. <laughs> oh my like, gosh. and so obviously they didn't spend it all on one movie. You know, they had a plan to to make the money they got worked, and this is a huge loan that you got to pay back five hundred eighty-five million dollars. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, developed a story team and began planning out the stories that would later on lead from Iron Man to the Avengers. But what I'm going to ask you, Zach, I got a little historical nugget for you here. And I can, I will be shocked if you get them right, because um, outside of big comic book fans, I don't think a lot of people would get this right. Because I think most people's experience with, and Marvel is probably MCU. And Mm. so I'm going to ask you, who were the original members, the founding members of the Avengers in Avengers number one, which was released in 1963. And here's a hint I have for you. There's five and two of them don't even show up in the MCU until after phase one.
1: Mm. Okay. Not till after MC one. Well. All right. So there's, it's gotta be Iron Man. Iron Man. Yeah, he's there. It's got to be Thor. Thor's there. Oh, man. Captain America? No. No? No. No. What? No, Captain. Dude, he's like the flagship
0: of yeah. MCU. He comes in. He, Whoa. He comes in. Now, Captain America had been created. Like, they had the Captain Wait. America comics that w- were released in the 40s. Okay. But he wasn't part of the, he was not a founding member of the Avengers because one of the storylines is, and I think Avengers number four, the Avengers find Captain America frozen in ice in Avengers number four. So he's not a founding member of the Avengers. Oh, dude, those were going to be
1: my three. Uh, who else? Hulk? Hulk?
0: Yeah.
1: Bruce Banner. Yeah. Okay. And then two of them don't show up till after. Mm-hmm. Dude, I don't know these last okay, two. so the last Ant-Man. Ant-Man, yeah, that's one. That's oh, one. That's one. Hey. One more. One more. <laughs> oh, dude, I have no idea, man. I didn't I never even saw the Ant-Man movie, so I'm going to be Stick with stick with Ant-Man, all right? Think Ant-Man. Like this person's kind of ah, close to Ant-Man. Geez, ah, jeez. I don't know her. I don't know her name. The Wasp. Uh, the Wasp. The Wasp. Yeah. Dang it. So, yes.
0: Oh, what those were the original 5? Yeah, original 5. Uh, which I, I was surprised cuz I could have swore I could have that Hawkeye was one of the originals. Um, but he's not.
1: Uh, yeah, he, he or I mean wager. Black Widow's literally out of nowhere like in the original the Phase 1. Yeah. Like you don't really see her at all. Yeah. The Avengers movie. Yeah, I mean, she's got Iron Man too in there.
0: Um, but, yeah. Uh, oh,
1: yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. I forgot about that. But Black Widow, I think Black
0: Widow comes later on, and I think that's a lot influenced by, like, you know, Cold War stuff heightening up in the mid-60s, late-60s. Yeah. Um, so, wow. Okay. Yeah. What a weird Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> it's 63. So, a- so, anyway, when you get to watching Ant-Man, I guess they had planned from the very beginning in the MCU that they wanted Hank Pym... You know the guy who Michael Douglas plays. Have you? You haven't seen mm-hmm. him. Have you seen? Nope. him? Nope. No, you haven't seen. So
1: anyway, Michael Douglas plays like Hank Pym. I haven't seen the Ant Man. Anyway, so there's an old Ant Man
0: and there's a young <laughs> okay. Ant Man. That's all you need to know. And so the old Ant Man, Hank Pym, they have like in that movie that he was one of the earliest people trying to get like the Avengers initiative going, which is kind of like a callback okay. to, uh, you know, the original five Avengers. But uh, anyway. Okay. Uh, that, that is our little fun fact. Now, Zach, let's take a little time. Let's have just a little bit of story time talking about the state of 2008, right? You and I were, were 17 years old when, when these yeah. movies coming out, we're, we're, we're late adolescent getting ready to enter into Manhood. And let's talk a little bit about 2008. (laughs) Let's talk about the state of culture. Let's talk about the state of superhero movies. And and just kind of set the tone of where things were at when the MCU all started. And basically Mm. began to take over culture. I think slower than what people really realized, too. Like, these movies, as we'll see, Mm -hmm. didn't really take off until the end of phase one. And that's when it was like, oh, yeah, this stuff is here to stay.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it did really kind of come under the radar a little bit. But 2008, man, was it was a good year. It was a fun year. 2008. Um, here's a little something that was happening in culture. Beyonce and Jay-Z got married in 2008. So. All of you out there that love that marriage, were real pumped. Oh, yeah, they're going to make great music together, whatever. Congratulations, 12 years. Two thousand eight when that years. happened. Yeah. 13 years, gosh. Exactly, that's yeah. That's just, 12 years, good shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Twilight started. Thank you, Twilight, for starting your your reign in 2008. So I'll say, I don't want to offend anybody, but <laughs> thank you for starting. That's thank funny. you for starting and bringing about sparkling vampires in 2008. Yeah. Um, but I will say I do owe Twilight a thank you for Robert Pattinson. I, he's one of my favorite actors. I think he's come a long way from his Twilight days. He's gotten into some films recently that I thoroughly enjoyed. Okay. Um, Yeah, if you've you've seen anything recently with Robert Pattinson in it, it's probably good. So I do owe Twilight an actual thanks, but, you know, Twilight started in 2008. So there you go. Um, 2008 also was the year of the Olympics. For those of you who remember the 2008 Olympics was also the year Michael Phelps won eight gold medals, medals. making it look easy, making it look like I could get in a pool and win a gold medal, man. I mean, eight of them. (laughs) People train their whole lives to win one, and this dude, who's eating Big Macs and other two and other things, wins (laughs) eight. He's eating, or he's winning eight gold medals. So good for Michael Phelps. That was the year of his reign. Quick thing about Michael Phelps. So I saw a
0: (laughs) ad with Michael Phelps in it not too long back. It was like one of those, um, one of those uh, counseling app, like, advertisement, like, counseling on your phone. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Not better help, but it was a different one. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, like, they picked, like, the least flattering photo that I think anyone could ever find of Michael Phelps. Because in the picture, no joke, the guy looks like he's, like, 60 years old. And, and so, so like, I saw this ad, I, was, I think I was scrolling through Facebook, and I saw the ad, and I'm like, whoa, Michael Phelps, like, <laughs> dude, he must have gone through like a r- really hard time. Like, he looks
1: awful. It's <laughs> so
0: like I'm trying to, I'm trying to search like, him. <laughs> like I'm searching like, what happened, what happened to Michael Phelps? Like, did you guy, guys like he's searching what happened to Michael? <laughs> guys like in his late 30s looks like he's you know about to head into hospice here soon. And so, so anyway, come to find out, it was just a terrible photo. Because I had <laughs> oh found like God. recent, like a recent interview he did with his family, and I'm like, oh wait, the guy looks totally normal. But like, why? Like, who at uh, the ad agency, the the marketing agency, decided like, hey, let's let's choose this photo of Michael
1: Phelps yeah. where Dude, he that was, looks <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was an intern, awful. That was an intern that was not pumped that he won eight gold medals in 2008. That's who that either, was. either that or the kid was a genius because he wanted to market Michael Phelps because like I was leg- I was certainly worried
0: about. <laughs> About Michael Phelps, like, yeah. About so, Michael, yeah, yeah.
1: And so I don't know. This, this is a little <laughs> giving a little take, but I would have chose hey, the more flattering photo, uh, personally. Listen, he, despite his shortcomings nowadays, he was doing great in two thousand eight. Man, oh, yeah. he he was. He's doing great body now. like a rock star, like just was swimming, doing his thing. Crushing it in 2008. Yeah. So
0: he's doing great he, now. Family, he's happy. He's gotten over any like the the issues that he had. Like I read yeah. the whole story, man. I was invested. <laughs> yeah, he's doing great. I'm I'm
1: happy for Michael. Like so I, for I'm those on fans who want to know what's going on with Michael Phelps. Go ahead over to the community tab at Steel Lake <laughs> Studios. <laughs> yeah, email Cody. Let ask him some questions. Yeah, yeah maybe if we get enough Michael people. Phelps. We
0: could get Michael Phelps on the podcast. And, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah.
1: That would be great, man. It would be amazing. I'd be pumped. But keeping with the theme of sports here, man, 2008 was a monumental season in football. It was. And for some, it was horrible. Yeah. For some of my friends, this was a heartbreaking season. But then for the majority of my friends, this was one of the best seasons of football ever. This was when the New York Giants upset the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. And I believe... Unless it was a little earlier. It may have happened earlier for the New York Giants. But I also believe that this was Eli Manning's first Super Bowl or was his second Super Bowl? I think it was first because he won the second one. I think we were in college when he won that second one. Okay, so he won the first one against the New England Patriots in 2008. Great Super Bowl. One of the most just on your seat, on the edge of your seat, just like, down-to-the-wire Super Bowls you've ever watched. It's one of the best ones I've ever seen. I still, before I even researched what was going on in 2008, I was like, oh, yeah, the New England Patriots lost. That's how I remember it. Not the Giants won. I just know the Patriots lost. So they upset the New York, or sorry, the New York Giants upset the New England Patriots 2008, taking the Super Bowl away from Tom Brady, which Tom Brady, I feel like, has gotten his revenge in full Winning seven Super Bowls recently, but 2008, man, pretty good year for the New York Giants, I would say. Pretty good year. It's
0: a great year, great Super Bowl. I just got a visitor here in the uh, in the closet, so <laughs> in the uh, studio. For those of you who are watching the video, I might have done some magic editing, but for uh, those of you, if you hear heard a door opening in and out, that was just my son. He was saying good night.
1: Um, There you go. So he's going to bed, checking in on 2008. Yeah, checking in. He was really excited to hear, uh, hear (laughs) Patriots and Giants. Yeah. He's like, yo, I gotta, I gotta check in on this. Eli Manning. What? (laughs) I love that Super Bowl. (laughs) But for, but for me, man, in 2008, I wasn't really into superhero movies, and I feel like I, I was probably with the majority of Americans in 2008. I. I watched Batman Begins and Spider Man. I was real pumped. I loved the original Spider Man. Had it on DVD. Watched it all the time. Batman Begins was was okay to me. I it, I was like, oh, it's a good movie, but I was more into Transformers. I, that's the movie that I I loved was, and I'm a sucker for Michael Bay, but Transformers that was my movie. I know, man. I can't help it, but. I, in 2008, man, I wasn't really focused on movies or superheroes or any of that. I was I was all about baseball and getting a scholarship for baseball. That's when we were going into our senior year. We were getting ready to graduate. That was kind of my main – dominated most of my time. And so I feel like for most of America, the Marvel Cinematic Universe starting its phase one just kind of came under the radar. Like I said at the beginning of this, is just – It wasn't really a thing. I mean, superhero movies weren't even big. It wasn't like they were getting diving into a market that was like hungry. It was Mm -hmm. honestly a few movies here and there. Yeah, but how was how was two thousand eight for you, man? What were you what were you feeling before the Marvel Cinematic Universe kicked off
0: in two thousand eight? I was super duper pumped for the Dark Knight to be coming out. In July. I've been looking forward to this movie ever since I heard of it. And so, for me, like, if I was going to be looking forward to a movie in the summer of 08, it was The Dark Knight and everything else was just, it didn't matter, right? Like, and something I want to set the tone for, too, for any of our younger audience out there who was either too young to kind of remember what life was like, you know, 13 years ago, the the reality was the world was a lot less connected, too. Mm. There. Like, time you spent online, like, on the internet, we didn't carry around smartphones. The iPhone was out, but most people just said, well, that's overpriced. I'm not spending, you know, yeah. $500 on a phone. That's ridiculous. Like,
1: Yeah, yeah we just all like, had our flip phones,
0: and yeah. that was and the now way was we rolled. Like, oh, $500 on a phone, that's a deal, man. You yeah, know, <laughs> like,
1: what a steal. <laughs>
0: what What a change we've had and so the world was a lot less connected and to even go online you like allotted time to you you know you had to have your turn on the computer at home and you had maybe like a half an hour 45 minutes to check in on whatever you did online and twitter had only just begun uh in 2008 maybe even 2009 maybe twitter didn't even exist yet Yeah. yeah um and so like Facebook was the social network, but no one talked about movies or news or any of that stuff on Facebook It was like all about like the you know your life like it was it was a lot it was a lot more focused on people, which is amazing because it seems like Facebook's more narcissistic now and social media is more narcissistic but in the beginning it was just all about you anyway so I don't know maybe maybe it is maybe yeah. it's not. um and so the world is just a lot less connected. And so like news and stuff going on in the movie world, you just you kind of had to follow it and it kind of had to be your thing. Like mm-hmm. going yeah. to the movies was just like you, <laughs> you literally called up your local movie theater because sure, they had their show times posted online, but like. Our parents hadn't fully adapted yet to the fact that everything was starting to go online. So I was like, yeah, call the movie theater. Mm-hmm. See what the show times are for this, this, and this. We've got to plan out where we'll go. And it's just like, man, this... Like, you what? know. And you would. You'd have to sit and you'd have to listen through every movie. And of course, you know, the one you wanted was always the last one they said. And it's like, oh, come on, you know?
1: Dude, this is what you had to call the place on a home right, phone. Right. I remember yeah, still having a home dude. Yeah, dude. phone to uh, call this. Like... Who's heard of that nowadays? So the world is just such a different place.
0: And so to be releasing this intertwined movie universe, it was like, how are you going to spread the word? Like people don't really read a lot of movie magazines. It's like, well, let's just make good movies. And I think that's where the end credit scene was so important, right? Because each movie Mm -hmm. had the end credit scene that kind of hinted at like, hey, this is connected to something else. Or, you know, in The Incredible Hulk, they have Tony Stark in there. So it's like, hey... This Iron Man guy is in this movie. It's connected, and if you didn't see that movie, go see it so you kind of know they're connected, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that's kind of maybe this is just a this is just a hypothesis. I don't know if it's fact. I think that's maybe why they did the end credit scene type of stuff to just kind of like hint at like, hey, this stuff is all connected, you know? For you know the fact that because half the world really yeah. was not using the internet that much, and so mm-hmm. um, the Thing with movies and superheroes is I was, I was a big superhero fan. Became a, Became a big superhero fan when the Spider-Man movie came out in 2001, 2002, whenever it was. I loved that movie to the point of where I became the kid. I would call at my local library. I would reserve all of what were called the Marvel Essential Collections. There were these big, fat books that collected, like, multiple volumes of Marvel Comics. So I read, like, the first original 100 issues of, like, Spider-Man and Fantastic Four, X-Men. Like, these were comics that I read, like, as a kid, like, the original 1960s versions. And in these essential collections, they were, like, they were in black and white, so you didn't even get the colored versions. So so, so you just really had to use your imagination well. And, yeah, yeah, Uh But anyway, a big comic fan, and I just felt like the Spider-Man movies had fallen off right and so spider-man one and two pretty good spider-man 3 was one of the most disappointing movies i think i've ever gone to see because it just it was so like man you you, ah, plot everywhere it's such a mess x-men another series first two movies like really good like hey those are pretty good like i feel like x-men 2 was actually better than one and then X-Men 3 was like, what
1: the heck? What's going on here? This is getting ridiculous again. Oh, my God. Dude, X-Men, that is yeah. going way back. I saw that at a birthday party sleepover <laughs> when I, I, I can't even remember. We stayed up all night. As still in my mind one of the most tired I have ever been. <laughs> and I remember I was the only one up, and I just watched X-Men two, two times, I think, that night just to stay up. Oh, my gosh. That is going way back. That's a good movie, though. X-Men, the original yeah. one is good.
0: And then, of course, there's the Fantastic Four that also had two movies come out. And oh, I didn't gosh. like either one of those. I never liked either one of those. Either <laughs> those one of those were good. Never do well. And, uh, and, but I did see Batman Begins, and I love that movie. And it came out in 2005 at a time where I was like, ah, you know, maybe super. I'm starting to get a little superhero mm-hmm. fatigue. Funny to talk about having superhero fatigue in 2005. Didn't know yeah. over the next 10 years we were going to be getting, you know— Probably what between DC All and Marvel, them. probably like 30, 35 superhero movies. Insane. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, you know, kind of starting to have these thoughts, but Batman Begins was so good. And it mm-hmm. was, it was just really, it was this really grounded take, especially after like where Batman went in cinema before with Forever and, you know, Batman and Robin, yeah. nipple edition, and, you know, the, the whole fiasco there with Joel Schumacher who you know had his own take on yeah. Batman that I didn't love. And so so anyway, here we are, 2008, getting ready to go to the movie theater and I'm going to see Iron Man, which I was actually kind of looking forward to cuz I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember this, the early Iron Man marketing material was actually really cool. Um mm-hmm. the teaser trailer that they showed was and like this is another thing you you would go to movies back then and like kind of cling out to oh what are they going to reveal that's coming coming out next so like when trailers meant yeah. something now you go to the movie theater it's like okay so the movie starts at three forty five 45 something like 20 minutes uh trailers that i've probably already seen and so mm-hmm. we'll come in
1: at you know four or five or whatever and also back then the trailers actually were trailers they tease the movie (laughs) yeah for sure anymore now dude I feel like I see a trailer I'm like I don't have to go see that movie I already know how this thing I know the beginning middle and end of this whole movie so this is great yeah like I feel like I've seen the whole movie with the trailer it's so I don't know if you remember this but
0: the Iron Man marketing material was that scene and this is like they didn't even really like they were so good at revealing not revealing what the movie was until like the right moment right it was the scene when they're in the cave and he's banging on the door to get out. Oh, yeah. And so you're thinking to yourself, like, is this, like, some type of horror or monster type of movie as you're watching the trailer? And then he busts out of the door, and the trailer plays Iron Man by Black Sabbath, and he yeah. gets, like, really loud. <laughs> and then it just shows, like, a couple of shots of Iron Man flying around and some action sequences. Like, there's no, there's yeah. also no dialogue from the movie in the trailer. And I don't even think they reveal that Robert Downey Jr. is the actor. It's just Iron Man. Like the trailer was like just Iron Man, right? And so then it, then it ends with the part when he blows up that big tank over in uh, the Middle East. And then it says big on screen Iron Man. And it was like, you know what? That looks pretty cool. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And so anyway, was excited to go see the movie. And in 2008, the world was given the gift of Iron Man. and, what we're going to do now is we're going to talk about Iron Man. We're going to go through all six movies of Marvel cinematic universe. We're going to go over some stats, some scores, uh, some stats as far as like the type of money it made, some scores, and then we'll do a fun fact for you guys. We'll share our initial impact and lasting appeal. So this is going to be fun. So Iron Man comes out in 2008 in the box office worldwide, rakes in $585 million dollars. Which is number 170 all time worldwide, according to a a website. um, I think it's called Box Office Numbers um, that I found. And so. Pretty good. Also, critical reception. We're going to talk about critical reception first. What I used for critical reception was Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes. Um, Metacritic scores are based on estimated what they think critics would score if they don't give an actual number. And then Rotten Tomatoes is basically the critics give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I prefer Rotten Tomatoes out of all the critic sites and, and all the score sites because I just like the fact that you either thumb it up or you thumb it down. Like, yeah. I don't want your score out of 10 for a movie because I don't care. Did you like it or didn't you? And who who yeah. else would like go it? Go see it or no? don't go like, see that's it. That's the only thing that matters. And mm-hmm. so on Metacritic, though, it scored a 79, which for a movie on Metacritic is very good. Um, anything getting close to 80 in the 80s or higher on Metacritic is a really good critical score on Metacritic. Mm-hmm. Uh, for movies, games are different, but we're talking movies here. Rotten Tomatoes, 94% critical approval, which is, which is... That's awesome. In 2008, that was really good. In 2021, it's a mess. Rotten Tomatoes is a mess, unfortunately, um, because there's review bombing on the user side, and then there's there's the virtue signaling on the critic side, and it's just like, you know, was it good (laughs) or wasn't it? Just be honest. Was it good or not? You know, in... Yeah. Tomatoes had more integrity 13 years ago. Um, (laughs) On the audience side of things, on Metacritic, this got an 8.5 out of 10. Uh, I don't know why Metacritic decides that you get a score out of 10 for audience and then a score out of 100 for critics. I you know whatever a uh, eight point five is the same as an eighty five but what you know it is what it is eight point five out of it ten it is what it is yeah and on Rotten Tomatoes it also got a ninety one percent approval and audience score which is very good it's very good when both are in the nineties that's super rare yeah that's that's <clears throat> really rare um and then IMDb I put this on the audience score because both critics and audience can score on IMDb but it's overwhelmingly audience on IMDb so it has a seven point mm-hmm. nine. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with IMDb, uh, anything above a 7 on IMDb is typically a pretty good movie. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So, uh, I have a couple of fun facts here. Um, already talked about the new line, Cinema Failure, and how mm-hmm. that, that uh, was bringing MCU back in house. And so, what they decided to do, Jon Favreau, he was the guy directing the film, and he absolutely wanted... Um, Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark in Iron Man. Like, absolutely wanted him. And not everybody who was on the executive side was, like, excited about Robert Downey Jr. Like, everyone knew Mm -hmm. he was a talented actor. There was never any question about Robert Downey Jr.'s talent. But there was a question about his stability. Um, He kind of had a reputation in Hollywood up to this point as being... And, and he's talked about it in interviews and, and stuff before. He had a lot of problems. Addiction. I mean, he wasn't really dependable. You know, he was notorious for holding up shooting because sometimes he wasn't able to be found. Um, mm-hmm. Or, you know, he was on a bender. Whatever it is. And, you know, Favreau was adamant. Like, if there's anybody that I can imagine being a lovable a-hole... It is Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> as Tony Stark, and yes. and nothing could have been more true. Like this was an ultimate roll of the dice. Like you're first of all you're 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 throwing out a six movie plan, and you're saying we want to start this with Robert Downey Jr. in two thousand eight. Yeah, um, <laughs> I could just imagine the executives being like, like you guys, <laughs> you guys better not screw this up. We got five hundred eighty five million dollars yeah. in loans we got to <laughs> pay back with interest. So. You better not screw this up. Uh, And sure enough, they did not. And I believe that Robert Downey Jr. has some type of royalty deal with the MCU as well. So he's made out pretty
1: good too. Yeah, pretty. Um, Yeah, he's
0: he's doing all right. But one of the things I found out with this casting is that um, Robert Downey Jr. and Jon Favreau had offices next to each other while they were filming. And uh, Robert Downey Jr. was one of the guys who was uh, essential into the comedy in, in the movie Iron Man because uh, his understanding of it was he basically said, you know, I hate it when the bad guy becomes good, and then he loses all sense of his character after that. He loses his sense of humor. It just doesn't make any sense. And so Mm. his thing was he wanted Tony Stark to be a good guy, but he still wanted to have that sense of humor, the snarkiness, and the attitude, and he felt like that was essential to the character. And so a lot of the character Tony Stark... It's got to be credited to Robert Downey Jr., not just on the acting of it, but also the creation from a writing and, um, you know, imagining level. So, yeah. so I think that's one of the things that's really cool because it, it's so hard to divorce the two, right? Robert Downey Jr. and Tony Stark. And mm-hmm. I think the reason why is because, you know, <laughs> their lives mm-hmm. are very parallel.
1: Very, um, yeah. And- <laughs> and I mean, that was my initial impact with it, too, man, is... I was impressed with Robert Downey Jr. And I had no idea who Tony Stark was when I first saw this movie. Yeah. I just, I saw the character of Tony Stark. I knew Robert Downey Jr.'s background. And I was like, oh, it makes sense that a gazillionaire would act like Robert Downey Jr. Like just the (laughs) Like I did. I didn't think it was the other way around. I was like, Robert Downey Jr., is basically Tony Stark. Yeah. And so I I thought the role was perfect. That He was, I mean, he was the most enjoyable thing about Iron Man. He made that movie a great movie. I remember, I thought the movie was awesome, but what I thought even was more cool, and I don't know, I think, I don't know if they started this, but it, it kind of became expected, was that teaser trailer At the end of every Marvel movie Mm -hmm. was you sat there and you waited through the credits, sometimes all the way through to the end, sometimes just through the like first segment of the credits. But there was always that trailer at the end. that will kind of hint at what was to come. Sometimes it was the next movie. Sometimes it was just the next person they were going to introduce into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I remember staying for other movies Mm -hmm. after that. Just to see if there would be trailers <laughs> yeah. at the end of that. But yeah. Sometimes it was like me and my buddies were the only ones in the theaters, and we'd be like, "Oh, like, all right, I guess there was no trailer <laughs> at the end of this one." It's just Word like didn't get out Ma- on this one. <laughs> yeah, Marvel conditioned you to stay. So yeah, I, I remember my initial impact was I was so impressed with Robert Downey Jr. I loved Robert Downey Jr. After that first movie, I thought he was perfect for that role. And then, Absolutely. dude, the teaser trailers, man, you always you always hung. Around for those that was just a staple and still is a staple of Marvel movies
0: yeah yeah for sure and and for me like the initial impact when I went to I I literally remember leaving the theater blown away with how much I liked it because I was also going through this Mm -hmm. phase where I was trying to be like an amateur movie critic you know where I was I was secretly a fan (laughs) of of mega blockbusters but at the same time I was like but you know Martin Scorsese is the storyteller of our time You know, <laughs> oh. and so, like, yeah. like I, I was you know I don't know if you remember this side of me but I was kind of like a movie snob right like it, it's you know showing up at parties mm-hmm. wanting to you know talk about the the views on um you know what does <laughs> a fight club mean on a yeah on a existential level <laughs> and so yeah
1: yeah. You know, it's a critique of capitalism, right?
0: Right. Yeah. Like that was, that was yeah. me like as a 17
1: year old. And then I grew up and
0: realized like, well, it's kind of going around talking like a, like a, like an armhole yeah. acting like Tony Stark over here. And, yeah, But, but oh. I was blown away with how much I liked it. And I think it, part of it was, I don't want to take anything from the movie, but I had pretty low expectations. Like, like, superhero movies had become something that lived on to disappoint for me. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah.
0: Until they eventually just got too tacky or too big or too ridiculous, too many plot lines. But Iron Man was this refreshing take on a, on a well done origin story. You know, the hero's journey is in it through and through Mm -hmm. and we'll have to talk about this when we do phase two next time, because I found out watching through all these movies Disney and Marvel have the hero's journey down to an actual timestamp in every movie. Like it's oh like gosh. I was I was paying attention to this as I was watching. Them. I'm like, you know, going with classic storytelling with all these origin stories to like the point of where, wow, fifty five minutes in, you know, that he's gonna lose his power or something bad's gonna happen.
1: I mean, like, you do enough of these films, it's just yeah, it's yeah. got to come down to literally just <clears throat> formula. Not even so, just yeah. like. You do it at this point, this point, this point, this point.
0: Yeah, they got it down to a science, man.
1: That's incredible. Uh,
0: but yeah, that, that was that's just kind of very basic initial impact. Blown Away was actually, after this, pretty excited to actually go see the Hulk. And then also kind of made me a little scared. What if the Dark Knight just sucks? <laughs> <laughs> However, it didn't. Is better than both well. Of thank movies. goodness, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank goodness, it did not. It
1: was one of the best movies I've ever seen. So,
0: but uh, give me the lasting appeal. You know, time removed, you've now rewatched it. um All is said and done with the MCU Infinity Saga. What's the lasting appeal for Iron Man for you?
1: I think it's still one of my favorite ones. The mm-hmm. in the series, man. It, I mean, it kicks it off, and it's just done so well. Like some of these other ones are still really good, but I think that first Iron Man sets the tone for the Marvel cinematic universe. It sets a probably the most beloved character of all the like Marvel universe, which is pretty cool because you would think it would be Captain America or I guess just him, but Tony Stark, Iron Man. It's only fitting that he's probably the most loved character. And he's also one who gets the first movie. Mm -hmm. So for me, time removed. This is one of my favorite ones. If I had to, I mean, when Lee and I started watching rewatching them, I remember being like, this is, this is one of the best ones. Like Thor is my favorite, but this is Iron Man. The first one is a great movie um it's one that it's a great introduction like i said you want to you want to show that one first to anyone who's like oh i want to know more about the marvel cinematic universe you hey watch iron man first then from there the sky's the limit but this is the entry point but yeah that that's that was my last thing appeal how about you man um i i'm right there with you this is a great movie um
0: All of these ones in phase one, I think, have a special place for me because of the power that they all have to stand alone. Once Mm. you get once you get into I mean, even the Avengers, the last movie in phase one, if you haven't seen at least Iron Man, Iron Man Two, Thor and Captain America, you don't have the same appreciation for it. But this movie, you just sit down and you can watch. You don't need to have seen any movies. You don't need to know about Mm -hmm. the MCU. You don't even need to like superheroes because because this isn't really a – he's a hero, yes, but he's not like the stereotypical like, oh, you know, he gets genetic powers from some type of exposure to a, you know – accidentally laboratory mm. laboratory experiment gone wrong he's he's a guy who found a way to use his intellect, his position, his money, his experience with you know weapons manufacturing was able to take that yeah. and and turn it into something good to save people from massive threats and it it's a movie that I think is just very well done. These earlier Marvel films and especially the Iron Man films, the one thing I like about them is that they focus a lot more on the character development of Tony Stark and, and like Pepper Potts and the other characters in there, they're a lot more focused on the character's journey than I think down the road they just kind of like who's the next bad guy to kill or what's the next yeah. what's the next um difficulty to get through. I feel like once they got to Black Panther, they got a little bit more focused on character characterization. But you know, I feel like the Iron Man trilogy and Iron Man movies were so focused on, you know, what's the story of Tony Stark, um, and that's yeah. that's what I really, really enjoy about this film. Nice. All right, so we're moving on to the Incredible Hulk, and Zach, do you want to go through and and read the stats on this bad boy here? Yeah, yeah give us. The I will. Stats. I'll tackle the yeah. Incredible
1: Hulk here, yeah, give man. Us the stats. So box office made 265 mil a little less just a little less than iron man a less. um a sits lot. at number 575 on the all time list for good reason this was <laughs> this is kind of the black sheep of the the first phase man this is this one was uh this was a weird movie for me um the critical reception the metacritic score 61 rotten tomatoes coming at 67% so the critics they weren't a fan of this. They were like, eh, this isn't, this isn't up to our, our level. And honestly, the audience kind of agreed. Mm-hmm. I mean, other than the Metacritic score, 7.1. Rotten Tomatoes, 70%. That's kind of sitting around where the critics said it was. So mm-hmm. the audience kind of agreed it was just a very average movie. IMDb, 6.7. So on all fronts... Not a horrible movie, yeah, not bad, but just a very average movie. Yeah, just not a, bad, but not a, Iron. A run man. Of the, yeah, not bad, not Iron Man. They rode the high of Iron Man, Incredible Hulk. Not as not as great, but why don't you give us the fun fact, okay, man? So this is one of my favorites. Um, I I could totally see this so, too. When I read this, I was like, this makes. Complete sense. So, okay, I must have a
0: disclaimer. The following is a mixture of truth and myth. I don't know exactly what is true, but I looked into this. I connected some dots, and I will let the audience make the conclusion. Zach, I'll let you make a conclusion. But basically, this is how it goes. Edward Norton was brought on to play Bruce Banner, who I actually think, from an acting standpoint, is like, wow, like you got Edward Norton to play Bruce Banner? (laughs) Yeah that's amazing. I would have loved for him to stick around. (laughs) Like, uh, like I I actually think it's a role he could do well in a role that he could have made really mean something that I don't think Mark Ruffalo really pulled off. Um, But, you know, the talent levels are much different there. A little different, yeah. (laughs) So, so anyway, he wanted to make some adjustments to the script and began doing some rewrites and he's not credited for it. Total Ed Norn move there, by the way. This was, this was kind of part of the deal. Like, if you're going to bring me into this movie, We need to change some of this script, and so so yeah. they let him. They let him. Like first of all, MCU Marvel. That's a good. That's a good thing. However, I think this is where the buck stopped <laughs> with <laughs> because basically he had a month to get in his rewrites, right? Because they really needed to get started on on principal photography, all that type of stuff, and in a month he resubmitted his draft and. The movie was unrecognizable. It was not the same film. He wrote a different movie. I think the only thing that was the same was the setting. He kept the setting the same because he liked the setting. And so, so anyway, he turns it back in, and uh, you know, totally restructured the film. And they, they, yep. I don't know how much well, of well, we got to roll with this. I don't know how much of the rewrite was shot and how much they kind of fought over, but. Uh, In 2012, Norton was uh, replaced by Mark Ruffalo for the role of Bruce Banner. Norton didn't come back to the MCU. Yeah. yeah. But there's also one more thing I got to point out. Zach Penn has only been the writer on two MCU movies. The first one was The Incredible Hulk, where he's the credited writer of the script that Edward Norton rewrote. Which completely changed, yeah. And the second one (laughs) is The Avengers. (laughs) What? Coincidence that Edward
1: Norton mysteriously disappeared in 2012 from the screen of the Avengers. I mean, I don't know. I man. totally get it, man. I don't know. Totally dude. get it. That is a total and but here's the thing, man. I just brief side. If you're Zach Penn and you're gonna bring on like a Kobe Bryant to your team, and you're gonna go, hey, here's the game plan. And Kobe goes. I got, I got, I got some changes. Yeah. You're not gonna go, no, dude. I'm not gonna listen. You, of course, you gotta let Kobe Bryant sure, dude, change yeah. the playbook, <laughs> man. Of course you are. So, I mean, you get Ed Norton in there. Yeah. Of course, he's gonna change yeah. the script, man. It's gonna become this psychological, like character introspective movie that's not an action movie yeah, whatsoever. Sure. He's gonna want to explore yeah. the thoughts and feelings. Of the yeah. Hulk, he's not gonna want to just smash things. So yeah. I mean, makes total sense For in my sure. eyes. Man. I I believe this,
0: whether it's a myth or not, I believe. And this. Edward Norton showed up. He's like, guys, I wrote American History
1: X. that like, <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? I'll fix this. <laughs> the fact that you got me in the studio <laughs> is enough. <laughs> Like I
0: love Edward Norton. I love a lot that he is in. Oh yeah, uh, my my inner movie snob is just like, yeah, dude, Edward Norton, man. Like I would, I would love <laughs> to have an introspective story of the Incredible Hulk. I'm just not sure that's what audiences want.
1: No, <laughs> audiences yeah, want exactly. Hulk Smash. I want, uh, yeah, <laughs> so, exactly, Hulk Smash. <laughs> that's all
0: I want to see. Which is why I think we never saw another standalone Incredible Hulk film. While audiences like Hulk Smash. It just It's so hard to drive a story. It's so
1: hard to drive a story. It's, yeah, he's not much of a, a character outside of yeah. aggressive, angry. And they try to develop him later on throughout the MCU, mm-hmm. but he kind of always reverts, other than literally the last movie yeah. in the entire first phase, the whole main brute force. Yeah. So when I first saw this movie, and I saw, I mean, this is a vague memory because I just did not like this movie with Ed Norton. Like I knew Ed Norton was in it. I knew it was the Hulk, but I was just, I was not into it. It wasn't, it was, it was also a time when like CGI was still trying to find its footing. I remember it just looked weird at times. And then I just, I also was confused then later on, on seeing Mark Ruffalo, as the as the Hulk and I was like, what? what, what where did Ed Orton go? Well, like, we're just gonna we're just gonna accept. I mean, Marvel's kind of known for this, though. I will say they they've changed characters in movies and then they don't address it at all. Like, it's just, nope, this is the new character. I know he looks kind of similar, but uh, I mean, other than the Hulk, I mean, the Hulk. Doesn't look any, I mean, Mark Ruffalo looks nothing like Edward Norton. So that was a very obvious change in how <laughs> yeah,
0: you got like, they wanted. You got like an Anglican whole. white guy
1: and then like an American Italian. <laughs> yeah, like this, just, this Italian dude going <laughs> in. Yeah, completely changed the script there. And just, they went mm-hmm. with it. They're like, I mean, even Tony Stark was just like, hey, man, how are you doing? Like, <laughs> nothing changed. Totally fine. So hey, you look like you shrunk um, a little bit there, pal. Like. What's going on? Yeah, I mean, I I will say my initial impact was like Ed. This is gonna sound super snobbish, but I was like, Edward Norton is too good to play the Hulk. Like he's an actor to be a superhero. And I know that like you've had some huge names come out of superhero movies, like actual good actors. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. is a phenomenal actor. He can he has a wide range. And this, but I feel like Edward Norton is. He's a guy that has his lane, and he's great at it. He is mm-hmm. phenomenal at character-driven movies, where he can really become that character. Mm-hmm. Ed Norton as the Hulk. There's only one way to play that character, man. <laughs> so I just was like, I, "This doesn't make sense." Yeah. And so when I first saw it, I was like, ah, "I can't get into it." It was a hard movie to get into, dude. Okay.
0: Not yeah, I mean. For me, my my initial impact was I got to the movie and I was just confused because, like I said, a less connected world at the time, and there was a Hulk movie that came out in two thousand three with Eric Bana playing mm-hmm. Bruce Banner, and it was a it was an Ang Lee movie, and Ang Lee, I mean Ang Lee is like about as good of a fit for Hulk as Edward Norton was, right? Like that was <laughs> that was another thing that was like, man, you know that just is kind of weird, you know. Ang Lee is a great filmmaker, but you know, not not the Hulk. You know, <laughs> and yeah, it's, and anyway, it was a it was a strange movie. Um, in, in a movie that I, I think a lot of people just kind of were like, oh, that was sucked. And and so, um, I didn't I, I didn't realize that this was a reboot until like I was in the seat of the movie theater and I was like, oh wait a minute, okay, this is like a this is a different world. Okay, this is a <laughs> yeah. this is a different setting. This is not a sequel. This is a a reboot, right? And this, yeah, this is also like before massive reboot culture. I would say that with Batman Begins, you had Batman Begins come out, and then you just had this massive wave of reboots. How many times has Spider Man been rebooted since you know two thousand two, right? Three, mm-hmm. and that's insane. And we've had multiple Batman reboots. You know, and we're gonna have a Superman reboot. We're gonna, so many reboots. It's like the it's like the the season of reboots. Hopefully that stuff ends in the twenty twenties. Yeah. So, um, mm. but anyway, which it took it took a while to get into the mode of like, oh, okay, this is like a, a new type of origin story, but not. And that's why it was confusing, because it wasn't an origin story. It wasn't about how Bruce Banner became the Hulk, which would have immediately set the tone like this is a, a reboot. It was like yeah. he's already the Hulk. He's in like South America, he's he's doing jujitsu, and it's really It's like, what's going on? And so Mm -hmm. he's already become the Hulk. He's on the run. And it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, I get it. And then that end credit scene, you know, you show Tony Stark. And it's like, oh, okay, like those guys are. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But it was one of those movies where I don't think is bad. I actually think Edward Norton and Liv Tyler do well in their roles. Um, not a great movie by any means. Definitely. Like when, when I rewatched this past time, I like started to watch and I was like, I know this movie good enough, And then I skipped it. Yeah. Um, And yeah. And so one that I think sadly we never got any more, uh, incredible Hulk movies because of issues with universal. Um, which basically my opinion on that is they worked it out with Sony. They just don't have enough faith in the Hulk to drive a, a series they they would have worked it out if it could be done but anyway uh give me your lasting appeal for this movie mine's very simple it's it's just like it's okay but um probably could be left out
1: yeah it's a skip every time for me yeah i i skip this one so that's i don't have much on it just because i don't even watch it (laughs) when i watch through the the marvel movies
0: one thing I will mention is that this is probably a movie that won't get watched in my house for a very long time because my son, my my middle son, my second oldest, is terrified of the Hulk, and he never wants to see him ever. Like the cartoon okay. versions, he's fine with, but he saw a little clip of him, and it was just like it's just like seeing orcs all over again, but with the Hulk. He's like, <laughs> no! no, I don't like the Hulk. Get him off the screen. You know, and I even tried to show him, like, some clips from Ragnarok. Like, hey, dude, it's funny. He's like, no. He's
1: funny now. No. No. (laughs) Like, (laughs) come on, man.
0: So that leads us into Iron Man 2, which came out in 2010. There was actually two years in between uh, movie releases, which, you know, is is a decently long time for MCU. And Mm -hmm. box office-wise, did better than Iron Man. Did better than Iron Man. I think that speaks a lot to the first installment how good it was when a second installment does better at the box office because it made 631 million worldwide. That ranks 155 all time on the list. Critical reception. Metacritic was very, very middle of the road on it. Um, 57, basically meaning like this is an average movie like 57 yeah. on Metacritic is an average movie however on Rotten Tomatoes it got a 72% meaning that you know 7 out of 10 critics said yeah you know go see it you know it's fine go see it um, but the audience score on Metacritic was a 6.4 which mm-hmm. basically is kind of one of those things where it's like you know not massively overwhelming recommendation but like you know it's not a complete failure yeah um, Rotten Tomatoes, same thing, 71% in its audience score. So basically, critics and audience were on the same page with Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, And then IMDb has it as a 7 out of 10, which, again, a 7 or higher on IMDb is a decent movie. Um, Yeah. However, here's a fun fact. You said that this was one of your favorites. Recently, um, (laughs) I've been reading Bob Iger's memoir, or biography, whatever. I mean, he says it's not a memoir in the book, but it's a memoir Um mm-hmm. called The Ride of a Lifetime talking about his 15 years as the Disney CEO. He tells a story. He actually uh, ended up getting pretty close to Steve Jobs after Disney acquired Pixar, which uh, Steve Jobs was the CEO of Pixar at the time, mm-hmm. if you guys didn't know that, uh, which then made Steve Jobs one of the largest shareholders in Disney. Um And Anyway, he calls up Steve Jobs and basically he's like, Hey, can you call this guy from Marvel? He respects you. Everyone in the world respects you. We're trying to buy Marvel entertainment and we think that there's a future in superhero movies. And, you know, Steve Jobs, is like, I don't really like superhero movies. I like them less than I like video games, which, you know, <laughs> he would hate this podcast. And <laughs>
1: yeah, he would not listen to this. So
0: Steve Jobs, one of the greatest. Um, One of the greatest um, influential visionaries of, you know, you know, the basically the 20th century and 21st century early on um, uh, is it was just like, you know what, but if it matters to you, Bob, I'll call him if you think this will work. I'll call him, because I guess the two had a massive respect for each other, which is kind of ironic because before Bob Iger took over as CEO, Steve Jobs hated Disney. He hated them. He mm. he had, like, Pixar. He wanted to get them totally unattached from Disney. Uh, and mm. and this just kind of goes to show, like, leadership styles can do different things for an organization, right? Bob Iger yeah. was, it was a very different <laughs> leadership style than Michael Eisner. Now I'm talking about a lot of Disney stuff that uh, you guys aren't necessarily here for. But this is a fun fact. Anyway, Disney acquires Marvel in December of 2009. Big acquisition, right? Like 4.25 billion dollars. Insane amount of money. And yeah. so the next movie to come out, Iron Man 2, comes out in 2010. Summer of 2010. Steve Jobs took his son to go see the movie, and calls up Bob Iger on the phone. It's like, Bob, I went and saw Iron Man 2 that movie
1: sucked.
0: <laughs> and so, and so the response from Bob Iger was like, Steve, those movies aren't made for you. Yeah. And I think that has to be kind of one of the things about superhero movies, superheroes in general, is that they're not made for everybody. They're made for the people who are going to like them. And, you know, the MCU had a big impact on how mainstream culture thinks about superheroes but especially in 2010 i mean they were still a very niche market but becoming more popular um mm-hmm. so anyway that was the little fun fact and That's some stats awesome. on iron man 2 I love that. One. tell me about your initial impact of of iron man 2 man uh,
1: well man i had to had to agree with steve jobs <laughs> i was not a fan of iron man 2 when it came out um I don't know what it was about the movie, man. I did. I just, I didn't like the villain. I didn't, I think he was trying too hard. Um, I didn't find him all that interesting. Um, Roadie was different. A new, a new actor. (laughs) Once again, we have a new actor, no explanation, no reason, just we're accepting this now. Um, And, I just like for some reason I found Tony Stark more annoying in the second one. I think he was supposed to be because now the world knows he's now he can kind of just cut loose. He doesn't have to hide things, Um it, which is kind of his downfall when he's like now that he has got to fight the dude who creates all those different robots. And so like, I get that. It's just I, I felt like. It was kind of like the second Thor movie to me, honestly. It was just like it It felt like stretched out almost. Like It was too long. I just didn't really, I don't know. For me, Iron Man 2 was a step back. And I kind of agree with the Metacritic and the Rotten Tomatoes scores, man. It's just, it was kind of felt like a step back from Iron Man 1, um, even though it made more money. But I think that's because it was riding the hype of such a great Iron Man movie that you were going to make more people go see the second one because you made a phenomenal movie the first time around. So for me, I always, I watch this one. Sometimes, sometimes I skip it because I know what happens. And so I just kind of move on to the the third Iron Man. But, um, yeah, for me, I have to agree with Steve jobs. Didn't like this one. So I had, I had come home from college and, um,
0: I had gone and seen this movie with my father. My father and I both saw Iron Man together. We loved Iron Man. And, I remember after the movie, like I was, I was like, how I was so blown away by Iron Man, I was like visibly upset leaving Iron Man 2. <laughs> First of all, right? I got to mention my movie snobbery, right? My previous experience with Mickey Rourke was in The Wrestler, okay? And then he's yeah. playing Ivan, um, I don't know, Ivan, I can't remember his last name.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but, I just remember telling my dad like they wasted Mickey Rourke, they wasted him to say <laughs> thrown better, you know like that's, yeah that's yeah like his best line in the movie. And so, so uh, the the film snob came out and me, my dad's like no no it's it's a good movie it's a good movie, and and he's like I thought it was entertaining it was, you know it was funny I thought it was a good direction for Tony Stark's character and I was like no. Now, that was not a good movie. Too many cinema sins, you know. Too many plot lines, kind of everything mm-hmm. underdeveloped. And so I remember just thinking that this movie wasn't very good. Like that was my thing. I was disappointed because I loved Iron Man, and sad because then I was starting to think Spider-Man series all over again. It's be Spider-Man series <laughs> all over again before you know it we're going down you know, tony stark dancing like an idiot flying in an iron man suit and it's just going downhill from here um mm. but my tune has changed on iron man 2 over the last couple of years but we'll get into that after we talk about your lasting appeal
1: <clears throat> i i still skip this one man i still now that you're kind of hyping it up though like I might have to give it another shot, but this is usually this along with the incredible Hulk are on my skip list. When I go through phase one, um, I just, I liked Ivan. I don't like the fact that Tony Stark's got to fight a bunch of his clones. Essentially. I just, I didn't find that interesting enough where I get it. The first movie, he's just, he's kind of fighting another iron man, but for some reason, like, I mean, Jeff Bridges is just such a good actor character in that first one man he's just so good at playing that suave almost Tony's equal and then like cutting loose on him so for the second one Lee you're right like Mickey Rourke is a great actor and you just are like oh yes this is gonna be amazing and then he's got hardly any lines and then he's just kind of just kind of a dud when it comes to this movie so for me my lasting appeal is I still have a bad taste in my mouth from seeing Iron Man 2 and I still skip it. Like right now as we're recording, Leah's is watching Iron Man 2 because <laughs> we, we're going into phase two and Iron Man 3 kicks off phase two. So like I got to We got to watch it. But I'm like, I don't want to watch yeah. Yeah. Iron Man 2. I'd rather watch Iron Man 3. Yeah. So that's that's kind of yeah, where it where it sits in
0: my mind. Well, here's the thing. I'm not going to sit here and defend and say that Iron Man 2 is a great overall movie. I think it just it, it has too many issues with its its plot and its in its tension. Um, mm-hmm. However, knowing how everything ends and knowing what happens to Tony Stark as a piece in the character development of Tony Stark, this is something that I appreciate a lot more now than I did as a teenager. And here's the reason why as a te- as I wasn't a teenager, I was like 19. Yeah. 19 or 20, whatever. Um, and so mm-hmm. one thing that I've experienced in life that I couldn't relate to at that point in life was being highly optimistic, getting your life on track, doing everything right, just to have the rug swept out from under you. Like, In Iron Man 2, Tony Stark is going to die. Like, that is... Mm -hmm. I think that's something that if they maybe just laser-focused on that a little more. Like, they bring it up a lot. But if they really focused on the fact, like, Iron Man 2 is about, like, Tony Stark's gonna die. Like, he just started getting his life right. He just started doing everything right. And he's gonna die. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought the whole birthday party Mm. scene when he kind of has a you know mental breakdown was ridiculous and dumb the first time I saw it but now I watch it and I'm like you know what dude I might do the same thing like yeah I think there is there is a level of sympathy that you get with with the character Mm. the main character that I don't really think any other movies in the entire MCU try to do like like you know what I'm saying? Like every every you know, at some point or another there's like the failure aspect and storytelling. But like Tony's gonna die. Like that's that's the whole thing and he's gotta he's gotta fix it. And the way yeah. in which he fixes it is by reconciling how first of all how he thought about his dad finding out that you know his dad really did everything for him for you know what was best for him and he finds out like hey you know his dad left him this you know mcguffin type secret like of course there's a mcguffin in a in an mcu yeah. movie there's MacGuffins all over the place but yeah <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where the actual character development side of tony and his understanding of his father and kind of he's still becoming a hero right like kind of the perspective of like, hey, I just had to start doing things right and then everything's going to fall in place for me. But what happens when Mm. it doesn't? How do you continue to become a hero when it doesn't? And that's kind of how I view Iron Man 2. It's the story of how does a hero deal with adversity when everything stops going their way? Um, Mm. And so, that's kind of the lens I view it through and there's some good beats in there. I don't think it's overall a great movie but has some beats that really resonate with me personally.
1: So, Mm. yeah. That's good. That's good. I'll have to. Now you're gonna make me want to watch it again, ah. man. So I'll have to watch through <laughs> that lens because I always just I look through it as the like this is an annoying movie yeah. kind of I get deal. It. But I get it. I like that, man. I, I get like it. it. All right, man. Well, we're coming into my favorite you go. movie, dude, of the first phase, and this is my favorite character of all the characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, actually this is not my favorite this is my favorite movie of the first phase not my favorite movie of the whole series but Thor is my favorite character, I love this movie I oh, can't speak enough about it but doing the stats here, 449 million box office, so that's not 60 on there, critical reception this kind of makes me sad see the Metacritic's giving it a 57 dude, like what are they doing dude, like this is Oh, that's poor showing. Bad form, Bad but form, <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes seventy-seven percent. A little better. It's kind of making me depressed. This is the first time I'm seeing these <laughs> scores <laughs> here. I can't believe it didn't score higher. Uh, audience score seven. Rotten Tomatoes seventy-six for the audience. Ah, oh, what? And then IMDb seven. So. Metacritic and IMDB pretty much the same. Rotten Tomatoes 76.
0: Yeah, I mean, dude, I think you're kind of, I think you're kind of like down in the 70s too much. Like I would consider 77, 76 on Rotten Tomatoes pretty good numbers. Like I I normally would,
1: but this movie for me is (laughs) is Iron Man worthy. Like this is for me, I I get the shortcomings of it. Like even watching it again for the second time, I kind of I choose to look at at this movie through rose color or rose tinted lenses because I love Thor. And so I kind of, I feel like I do forgive a lot of the sins of the movie, but to me, it's just so well-written. It's so good in that sense. It's a, I'll let you do your fun fact. Now I'll get to my initial effect. No, I
0: agree. I agree with you on it being a very good movie, but I will say that this movie is, this is a niche within a niche. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you have a superhero niche and you have a mythology niche and you've got them both in there. Like yeah. This movie was made for guys like you and I, but not necessarily <laughs> for everybody. You know? Yeah, like yeah. that's true. Like that's so true. so don't be too sad. Uh because for what it is trying to be and what it is, it's incredible that they were even able to make a movie that did this well, you know? Yeah, because um, mm-hmm. we saw what happened with Thor too. Um, but anyway, some fun facts here. Uh, Thor was a was an intellectual property that they tried to get off the ground multiple times. Sam Raimi even had an idea for it in the early '90s. Talked to Stan Lee about it. The uh, you know the the big head honcho yeah. at, at Marvel. Uh, he discussed it with him. Then he went and pitched his idea to 20th Century Fox. Studio got back to him like, "Dude, Raimi, your movie makes no sense. That's not getting made." And <laughs> And so, and then after that, Marvel is still trying to get somebody to make a movie or something for Thor. And then there was an idea for a, a TV series in development for Thor in the early 2000s. Never came to fruition because that never worked out. Marvel got the rights back to Thor. And so then a guy named Mark Prosteservik came on to write a script for Thor and this is how he described it and I think this this is this is a great description of of the movie he said he wants it to be like a superhero origin story but not one about a human gaining superpowers but of a god realizing his true potential it's the story of an old testament god who becomes a new testament god and mm. I love that description, even though I think you could blow a bunch of holes in it. i love the description and I'm going to hang on. Yeah. To it, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Uh,
1: it's like, Absolutely. That's, that's the movie. Yep. That's it. <laughs> that's the, what I want to uh, see, so, man. And I'm pretty sure this Mark guy, he was like a student or trained in like Shakespearean literature or something of that nature where he was, He wrote plays. And so when you hear Thor and Odin and basically anyone in Asgard talking like that's that that flowerly language, that over exaggerated language, that old English uh, cadence that they talk in, that's kind of his training. Mm -hmm. And so that's why those parts of the movie for me are the strongest when it's in. I'm just going to go into my initial impact here because this is. This is where we're at with me. Um, like I said, it's one of my favorite movies. And the reason why it's one of my favorite movies is because I think they do a great job of developing Thor and then eventually developing Thor and Loki's relationship and eventually extending it out to the whole family. Like Thor 2 sucked, but you get to eventually see Loki's character get developed there. But we're talking about Thor 1 here, and I feel like Thor develops really well. Like, there's a clear distinction. Like, Tony Stark, kind of, like, he changes, but he's kind of the same guy, Yeah, generally, at the beginning and the end of Iron Man, where Thor is clearly different. He's arrogant. He is full of himself. He is overconfident. Like, he is everything you would think a god would be like if you were a suddenly like you are the god of this, you would be like, I am like it's everything you think mm-hmm. that you would be. Where by the end, you see Thor come into who Thor is, and I love that plot arc, I love the style of the movie. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm kind of let down by the final fight, really. I mean, it wasn't really all that exciting to me, but. And it all kind of takes place in New Mexico, which is generally just not a very exciting place, or at least like when they're on Earth. I mean, Asgard's (laughs) awesome. Asgard's sweet. Like the Frost Giants home is sweet. Um, Everything about Thor's world is awesome. And so I loved this movie, man. This was this is still my favorite in the first phase. Um, I think the characters are interesting all of them I think it's funny when it needs to be funny I think it's emotional when it needs to be emotional I love that Thor even though he gets betrayed time and time again by Loki he's still like this is my brother and I love him yeah and I still am holding out hope for him mm-hmm. and I think I I like that characteristic in a character yeah. where it's like despite the wrong that you're doing to me despite everything that I see you do, Like, I know there's good in you. I know that there's a chance you can come home, Mm -hmm. and I think that's probably because it's like that's as a Christian what God is like to us. So it's like you 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 want to hope that that's a real thing, and you strive for that, and you look for that, and so that's and not to get like too metaphysical on it, but I'm just like to me that's why I love Thor. It's because it's like he's he is that person that seeks out the goodness in his brother. And gives him second, third, fourth, fifth, tenth chance. Yeah. So my initial impact when I first saw this, I watched it at home just by myself after a friend told me <laughs> that it was he basically just said it's written really well. And I was like, I'm, I love well-written movies. <laughs> so I, I watched it and I was just like, yes, I love this style. I love old English. I love kind of the poetic language. Yeah. So. This, I was blown away with this one, man. But yeah. what was your initial impact? Oh, so this one,
0: I got to tell a story for. So I mentioned going <laughs> and seeing movies in Chicago. And I can say that Thor might have been one of the most fun movie days I've ever had. So in college, you have no money, right? You're spending all your money on books and tuition that you can afford whatever you can afford you throw it towards it right (laughs) um and so we all wanted to go see thor because we were excited about at this point it was known like hey they're doing this thing they're connecting these movies um and and the the thing about that thor is it came out to i uh became friends with a guy on my dorm floor who was really into comic books and really Mm. into marvel in dc and he introduced me to all this sweet stuff. Like he had a great comic book collection. He introduced me to the civil war storyline. He introduced me to a bunch of, um, DC comics. He was a huge green lantern fan, green lantern. Oh my gosh. What an underserved hero. Like there are some amazing (laughs) green lantern storylines. It's like, gosh, if you could just make a movie of this, it'd be amazing. Um, but uh, you know, he, he introduced me to a bunch of these great stories, great uh, and that's kind of when I started to kind of expand outside of what, you know, those essential books I read. Um, and so we were all super pumped to go see Thor. And we were like, you know, I just don't feel like spending $13 to go see a movie the fee- a movie in downtown Chicago. Um, so we got on public transportation, the L train, and started going far out uh west side of Chicago. And we knew that there was a discount movie theater. So first, the weirdest thing was they also played new movies. It was a discount theater that played new movies. Typically, like, discount theaters Mm. played movies that were out a couple months ago. But anyway, this discount theater, if you went on a Saturday afternoon, listen to this. Three bucks. (laughs) Three bucks for a movie. Heck, yeah, and so we're like, yes, we're going to see Thor. This is gonna be amazing. There was like six of us. We get there, and dude, dude this movie theater like first of all, <laughs> like the movie theater is right next to townhouses. It's like, yeah, at least townhouses, and then there's a movie theater right here. And it's like, oh, wow, this isn't this isn't as big as I thought it was gonna be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. <laughs> Anyway, you get in there, you're like, ah, oh, exactly what you like in a movie theater. The sticky floors. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the smell of popcorn and spilled soda. Yeah. And and so we're there and we just called this place the trash theater. Cause like the place was <laughs> it looked <laughs> like, you know, yeah, like a, a movie theater that was on the verge of death. It was what, it was an old-style theater. You know, like, have you ever been to a movie theater where they convert old amphitheaters into three-screen movie theaters? So, yeah, So it yeah. was one of those. And so you got the mm-hmm. whole bowl seating. And so they mm-hmm. decided to show Thor on one of the edge screens. And so the way that it works because it's bowl seating is you are literally uh. tilted as you're watching your <laughs> movie. And, and we're sitting there watching. We didn't notice it first. And then we're sitting there like, guys... Like, are we on a slant? Like, are we?
1: It's just like, yeah, we're we're like leaning into this. you know, we're watching
0: Thor with our necks slightly tilted. And it just, it was such a fun thing because I remember, like, this is another movie where I was like, I don't really know what to expect. I had no familiarity with Thor outside of, like him being a supporting character in, like, an Avengers comic or something. Like, I never read much about Thor. I didn't know his origin story. And I just remember the movie being really fun. Like, it was a fun movie. It was, like, it was a mixture of a lot of really cool things. Like... I liked the idea of a Shakespearean English speaking God who's then thrown down into New Mexico with this like really weird group of scientists who why they're all together (laughs) makes no sense, which I think is ironic because why all the Avengers are together makes no sense either. But anyway, you know, like the the whole story it does like it's it's another stereotypical like hero's journey type of story but like yeah. like um the writer's description of Thor one thing I've appreciated about him as a character uh, and this kind of is my lasting appeal is I think this is a great movie every you should watch Thor again you don't need to watch any of the other MCU movies to appreciate it it's just a good story um about You know, the God, God of Thunder. And the thing I like about Thor more so than a lot of other characters in the MCU is he's not necessarily uh, given a power and that's it. Like he is a character who is full of potential that he's constantly Mm. discovering in himself, which in terms of relatability, that's actually more like a person's journey than, you know, being yeah. Spider Man bit by a spider who then you have superpowers. Or, you know, like Captain America who's given superhero serum, he's already got his you know, his character all worked out. He's a good man, and then he's just given super strength on top of that. So he's just like, ah, he's everything you need to be. Whereas Thor yeah. is like he <clears throat> he's a person who's constantly discovering like there's still more in there for me. Um, -hmm. and that's why I love Mm -hmm. Thor. That's why I think everyone should watch this movie. And that's why I think he's probably, um, he's probably my second favorite hero in the MCU. Um, yeah. So,
1: yeah, no, I mean, similar sentiments with my lasting peel. I mean, that is what I find. One of the strongest characters in the whole MCU is Thor, because like you said, he's that character that is constantly discovering new things about himself even in Thor 2 yeah like even in all of his movies that he's in he's developing as a person he's developing as a character and so I think because of that he's that stark difference that change over time and you can really see those changes that's why I like Thor so much and so for me this is like I've said a billion times this is my favorite one this is still my favorite one in the first phase I always look forward to this one. It's funny. It's funny. It's yeah. got, it's really funny, man. It's really good. It's got good actors, good actresses. It's, it all takes place in a very contained area. So it's not hard to follow. So for me, Thor is always my favorite. Always my favorite.
0: Yeah. You mentioned it being funny. And that's a thing, too, is I feel like the MCU at, at, at kind of towards the end of phase three. And it, it kind of became dependent on wisecracks more than more yeah. than like legitimate humor. Whereas I feel like the earlier ones had legitimate humor in them. That was like, okay, that's that's actually pretty funny. And then yeah. later on, it kind of became about all of the, the wisecracks, right? Like you're about to do something mm-hmm. heroic and then it's just like, oh man, like- Here's
1: a funny yeah, side. I think
0: those things are great, like in small doses, you know?
1: Like for mm-hmm. me,
0: I think it's- Go ahead.
1: No, I I agree. I was gonna say I think that's that for me. I I'm not a fan of just constant. That's why Tony Stark kind of wears on me because he's always yeah. that character that's like got the funny thing, got the sarcastic remark in the heat of battle, and it's yeah for me Thor like did a great job of. He's that like foreigner coming into New York almost. Like he just he comes out of time into modern America and it's yeah. just like Walks into a, a pet store and demands a horse. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. well, we don't sell it. Where's my horse? Like, I need a horse. <laughs> or he slams his glass on the ground. It's like, I need another one. This it's like, is he's, a, another. Yeah, he's a man out of time. And so to me, that. that's good humor where you're right. Like over time, it became that. And really after Guardians of the Galaxy, I think is when they really got into that swing of like, oh, okay, people like these kind of jokes more than actual funny punchline joke so
0: but I think people liked it with Guardians because they weren't the characters we were holding on to it's like oh hey this is kind of like it's separate thing yeah it's a fun side yeah yeah absolutely
1: I think it it's I think it starts after that I don't think it's like I don't think people think anything of it in Guardians I just think the jokes are more Guardians of the Galaxy esque after Guardians of the Galaxy
0: yeah yeah for sure I got a little defensive there because I love Guardians of Galaxy. Oh, dude, it's Um,
1: when we get to it, it's my favorite one in the entire MCU. So, nice. Yes. yes. Spoiler.
0: And then they made the second one, which is. (laughs) Hey, yeah. I'll forgive it. It's still. What What did you do? All right. Captain America The First Avenger is the penultimate release of Phase 1 of the MCU. Hit the box offices with $370 million worldwide, which ranks 346th all time. The critical reception was actually rather good for this movie, with 66% on Metacritic, uh, and 80% on Rotten Tomatoes, which was surprising to me. Like, this is the second highest rated critical recept- uh, reception. I don't know, I even know what I'm trying to say. The critical reception <laughs> was the second highest out of all the movies we've done so far, which I would massively disagree with. Um On Metacritic, uh, it has a 7.3 on the audience score, 74% on Rotten Tomatoes, and 6.9 on IMDb, making it on IMDb, I think, the second lowest score other than The Incredible Hulk. That Mm. is correct, and properly so. Yeah. Yeah. Fun fact about this movie. This is probably the most interesting thing i found about this movie was that creating skinny Steve Rogers was actually a rather complex process because they had to do a couple of different things. At times they used a body double where they would shoot the scene three times. Once with the body double, once with Chris Evans, and then once with just the background actor so that they could just green screen over the the, uh, super, not super, but um, the fixed head, so they would have to restructure Chris Evans' head via CGI, put oh it on the body double's body, and then redo some scenes. Sometimes they were able to just make Chris Evans skinny with just straight CGI, which I'm thinking to myself, like, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and other times what they did is they just had him wear some really baggy clothes and then they used CGI to chisel down his face to make him look skinnier and then green screen to make him shorter. And so I thought that that was pretty interesting and it was funny they mentioned that as they were coming into this movie they're like it's not going to be a heavy CGI film. It's uh it's a buddy flick and won't need much CGI. We'll just, you know, need practical effects and then they said the <laughs> skinny steve rogers was one of the most painstaking cgi initiatives that they have ever undergone because they would have to do it frame by frame oh my gosh and so uh they just kind of laughed about it i think it turned out decently well there are certain times where you can tell that it's like the head feels weird like a little yeah um but for the most part you don't really think too much about it um all right man funny
1: you bring this up because just briefly when we watched this one leah was like that like it it just doesn't look right like chris evans is a bulky dude and he's got a bulky dude's head on this like emaciated body (laughs) she's like it's just like this is just off. I'm like, no, I think he, like, I didn't know any of this. I was like, no, I think he got skinny and then he bulked up. And then I'm watching the movie. I'm like, that ain't right. Like that. He didn't do that. That's a weird, well,
0: they, that's they weird. They preferred to do that. But because of the time schedule that they were filming on, they didn't have time to do it. Um, yeah. because they researched, they were like, well, we could do what Tom Hanks did for, uh, yeah. cast away but that took a year but I'm thinking to myself I'm like I'm pretty sure Christian Bale went from filming The Machinist right into filming Batman Begins just get a real man into
1: it listen they can't, can't all get, be Christian I'm, Bale man
0: dude. <laughs> they can't all
1: be psychotic Christian
0: Bale again like my goodness what a good actor who played a superhero
1: oh, <laughs> like, dedicated a
0: that's actor. the kind of guy yeah he. But tell me your initial impact of this because this is funny to me. I'm looking at what you have written down here.
1: Oh, my gosh, dude. So this one also sits in my list of not favorite Marvel movies because I saw this movie. It was a bunch of us. I think it was in college. We were home on a break, and someone had the idea to go to the drive-in theater and go see... Captain America, the first Avenger. And I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm in the MCU. I hadn't seen too many at this point, but I was like, I'll go see it. I want to hang out and all this stuff. And I like driving the idea. I'll say this. I like the idea of driving theaters. I think it's cool outside watching a movie, kicking it with friends. So we all go and we get to the theater. And you, They instead of playing it through like the speaker boxes that they used to listen to movies through, they were like, you got to turn on this radio station and we're just going to play the movie through the radio station. And they had speakers going so you could kind of hear it. But it was through the radio station. And so it was like three of three cars full of people at this theater. So everyone's talking like you can't really hear the radio station because you got to sit outside your car to watch it and so you're trying to turn it up as loud as you can and there's delays going on because you could hear the movie happening in someone else's car and you can kind of hear it catching up in your car and this might be the first swear word on our our (laughs) show but i i couldn't hear a damn thing (laughs) the whole time I was so mad. I couldn't hear <laughs> anything going on. I could catch part of the plot. I was trying to piece it together just by watching it. But then, like, our my friends are distracting me. And so this was one of the most frustrating movie experiences I've ever had. And I think because of the experience, I just didn't like the film. and Because it always just reminded me of, like, well, oh, I didn't know anything going on in this movie. And it frustrated me, too, because... Oh, what's his name? The the bad guy who plays uh Elrond and yeah. Agent Smith. Hugo Weaving, man. There. Hugo Weaving. I love yeah. him as an actor. He's always he's a great always actor. Good. And I saw he was in the movie. I'm like, yes, yeah. this is gonna be great. Like this is this is a and like um oh, I'm so bad with names. Uh the general, he's uh, a
0: Tommy Lee Gotta Jones.
1: Tommy Lee Jones like I know, I know, I know. But like I saw these guys, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be a good movie. And I couldn't hear anything. And so my initial impact was so bad that it just <laughs> left me with a horrible impression of this movie. And so I hated Captain America the first time I saw it. Probably a little less than The Incredible Hulk, but I was like, I I can't do Captain America. Also, I didn't really find Captain America all that compelling of a superhero i mean he's the marvel version of superman in a way but much less even, interesting. Oh, <laughs> oh much less and just like basically here's some steroids and now you're super strong like that's that's it <laughs> that's that was right. it for Put me him On
0: the juice man
1: yeah like that i just didn't he wasn't that uh. compelling so he's never been my favorite marvel guy so that probably played into my initial impact but why don't you give me yours man Uh, yeah, for me, I, I, so I skipped this movie. This is one,
0: this was, (laughs) this is the first one. This is the first one I didn't see in theaters. And so this came out in 2011, summer of 2011. Basically my life was went and did an internship all day. Then I was, I was doing youth pastor work. So then I would hang out with students like all night and then I would come home and then I would talk to my girlfriend who is now my wife, uh, till like two in the morning every night. We just talk on the phone. Like that was my, that was my life. I didn't want to do anything else, but just come home and talk on the phone to the love of my life. Mm-hmm. And so, so like movies weren't on my radar, like extracurriculars weren't on my radar. My, my life was like, Hey, you know, I'm going to talk to this, I'm going to talk to this beautiful girl who yeah. is in Chicago right now because you know, I can catch up on mm-hmm. movies later. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of like a like a nice thing to think about, like those times. Uh, however, I did attempt to watch it at a family movie night at my in-laws. They weren't my in-laws at the time, but Haas and I, when we were dating, we went to her parents' house for – this was either Christmas or Thanksgiving. I can't remember. One of those holidays. And one of the things that – um they always do is you know back when family video was a thing you know family video take the whole gang of Mm -hmm. i think there was like 10 of them at the time uh my wife comes from a large family uh for those of you who don't know that uh she has 17 siblings not not a joke um so large family, so I think there's like ten people home at the time, and they wanted to rent Captain America: The First Avenger. I think all of them had already seen it before, but they were mm. like, "Oh, it's a good movie. We're gonna watch it." And so for me, I hadn't seen it, so I was like, "Oh yeah, this is. I'll check it out. This is gonna be a good movie." Um, and, and so 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 <laughs> it was a debate. It was a debate because it was between going and seeing Captain America: The First Avenger or uh, watching Rise of the Planet of the Apes. And I was I was on the Rise of the Planet of the Apes train. I was like, you guys, this is a good <laughs> movie. Let me tell you, it'll blow away your expectations. Um, because that is actually one movie I did see that summer. Towards the beginning of the summer, I had some free time. Um, and Rise of the Planet of the Apes, still to this day, I think is a great movie. Everyone should go see it much better than Captain America, the first Avenger. Um, mm. But anyway, attempted to watch this movie, and I was just dead tired. Because I, you know, I think it was like the day after we just drove from like Ohio to central Illinois. And I just started watching this movie. It was, I mean, for what it's worth, I mean, this movie is boring for a long time. <laughs> and, and I was out, man, I was, I was out and I woke back up and red skull was there. And I was like, excited for that. I was like, Oh, finally, <laughs> <It's just some laughs> yes. red skull action here. And then before I knew it, the movie was over. And, and then, uh, never had really any interest in, in rewatching this movie until later on, until after I saw the Avengers, because I felt like when I saw the Avengers, I was like, wait a minute, I missed something. Yeah. Those (laughs) movies. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, never really was too attracted to Steve Rogers or Captain America in the MCU. And which is sad because we're going to get here once we get to phase three and I totally destroy Civil War. Um, because I think oh, yeah. he's a compelling character in a lot of comic storylines, but the way they used him in the MCU, I think they were trying to have him be the moral compass. When in reality, Steve Rogers is more interesting when he has moral failures. So, mm. um, anyway, lasting appeal for you, Zach. What do you think? You like it or or no? Is this a-
1: still? I we we watched it recently and. I got to agree, man. It's just boring. There's so many parts that just are. I mean, I'm not even mad that now. I mean, I'm a little mad now, but not as mad that I didn't hear most of this movie. But I wasn't really missing much. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm only missing kind of the allusion to the very end of the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe where Cap is like, I, it makes sense why he wants to stay in the alternate universe because of everything that happens in this movie. So that makes sense, and that's kind of nice. But other than that, I just, just not much going on. I'm not a huge fan of the mm. that time period with war movies. I think it's overdone. Um, I kind of hoped that Bucky would be more of a player in the movie and he kind of, he's here and there., um, I, none of the technology makes sense to me. I just didn't understand why if Hydra could develop all that technology, why they wouldn't just make a machine gun that could shoot all those things and make guys rather than these single-shot guns that they keep using. Like, there's a lot of inconsistencies now watching the second time. I'm like, well, why wouldn't they just do this? Or why wouldn't they just make them do that? Or, so, it to me, this is, like, one of my least, one of my least favorite ones. I mean, I still don't like Iron Man 2, more than this one but this is this is my bottom bottom uh bottom three ranking here but Uh, yeah what about you man
0: uh yeah this is a movie that i don't i don't i don't love i don't think it's i don't think it's terrible uh now that i've watched it again uh kind of with the whole series in perspective i actually think you know like i said the movie is boring for a long time but i like how this is the this is the like the one movie where things don't go steve rogers way and it's like thank goodness what a refreshing thing i just get so sick of everything going steve rogers way in the mcu like all the time yeah. even when he's wrong in civil war but uh we'll get there um so i think it's it's one of the <laughs> i think it's one of the Better Captain America movies. I'll just say that. And I know all the Winter Soldier fans are like, oh, oh, that movie's so good. And here's what I'll say about the Winter Soldier. It is a MCU movie that wants to be a Bourne movie. And that's all I'll say mm. about um, And you like that movie because you like Bourne movies, not because you like superheroes. But, uh. Controversy. <laughs> anyway, no, no, it's not that bad, but, um. <laughs> It's it's also not that great. So, yeah, this this is definitely my bottom, uh, towards the bottom of my ranking, mainly because it takes a little too long to get going. The technology is impressive. I actually think this is the best performance by Chris Evans out of all the movies he's in. Because um, mm. he actually does have to carry the film with a decent performance, whereas I just don't think he's written well in a lot of the other films. Um, mm. but it's a good point. Anyway, uh, let's wrap this up with... The big one, the, the Avengers, big one, 2012. Take us through the stats, man. These
1: stats the are about to blow
0: everything else out of the water,
1: <laughs> dude. This is insane, man. I mean, this was the culmination of this first phase. Box office. This is insane. One point five billion dollars, billion. Billion. billion with a B, dude. Billion at the box office, number nine just blowing every one of everything else out out of the water the critical reception though man metacritic 69 so okay doing all right i I would consider that actually a pretty good score for a superhero movie for metacritic Mm -hmm. and then rotten tomatoes crushing it Mm -hmm. this is the the critics loved it on rotten tomatoes 91 percent. then the audience the audience loved it i mean you wouldn't 1.5 1.5 billion if the audience hated it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Metacritic, 8.0. Rotten Tomatoes, 91%. So, I mean, the critics and the audience, same page. Very rare when that happens. Mm-hmm. Very rare. <laughs> so they, they both loved it. And then IMDb, 8.0. That's huge. That is huge a for sport. a superhero movie. So, I mean, by all accounts of the statistics, both... Monetarily and critic wise, this movie did phenomenal as it deserves. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. And then just the fun fact from this movie, I mean the the funny thing is is Marvel and Disney have been synonymous for the last ten years. There was a point where Marvel started making these movies before Disney acquired them, and mm-hmm. I could only imagine how Paramount felt after the after the distribution deal finally shifted over to Disney. The first movie that Disney distributes after acquiring Marvel for four point two five billion dollars probably the steal of the century when you think about how much money they've made off of the Marvel. Oh IP, my gosh. And the first movie they distribute makes more money <laughs> than all the other ones combined.
1: All the other ones, yeah. <laughs> it's just
0: like, oh man, what a bummer!
1: It's not everything Disney touches, man. is gold. It's
0: not more than all of them combined, but like the you add up all of them and it's really close. And I'm, oh yeah. Uh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm right in saying what i was saying because the other ones distributed by Paramount are Iron Man's and Cap and uh, Thor. So Paramount lost out on that deal, um, <sighs> and then boom, you got one point five one. $5 billion with the Avengers in 2012. That's insane, like, dude. That That's insane. is nuts. So, dude, what were you thinking when you saw this movie in the theaters the, the first time? Tell me about it. Oh, my gosh.
1: So, I saw in theaters with my family and I loved this movie. It's To me, this is like an action movie of action movies. Just, it's got great character development on all ends. Like I, I was skeptical coming into it because you have so many stars and they eventually, I mean, as the Marvel universe moves on, they only get bigger at stars and a wider cast. So getting all of these heroes just initially who are already big name actors to have some screen time that they deserve that probably their contracts are like, I deserve this much screen time because I'm getting paid this much. I want to have X amount of lines like to work all that into this movie probably was a nightmare. So for it to come out the way it did with, uh, it, it, I mean, Loki was kind of the obvious villain. He's so I was okay with that, even though like Loki's the villain. Yes. But, I think he gets better as time goes on. I, I like Loki more as the universe develops, but Loki was a decent Avengers villain. You had interesting aliens to fight. You had New York city getting blown up. I mean, it was awesome. I mean, like, and you had, you had what I appreciate now. You had the first inkling of civil war you had the two ideologies at play and they really did play this out a little bit in the movie, watching it for the second time or whatever time I've watched it at this point. But when I first saw it, I I noticed that I was like, Ooh, captain America and iron man. Yes, they aren't friends, but this is, there's something else going on here. You could tell that they philosophically just were different. And so, I I loved it. The funny thing was when we saw it, my mom hates superhero movies. She <laughs> hates it. She will, she will sit on her phone and scroll through Facebook as we watch a yeah. superhero movie. And so she came to the theater to watch it with us. And I know, this is like a testament to my mom, she suffered probably through that movie just so her three boys, <laughs> or her two boys and her husband could just enjoy a superhero movie yeah. together. And so... She had zero interest in it. I remember like looking over at times and she'd just be sitting there, like arms crossed, just like looking around, kind of looking at her watch, <laughs> wondering when this movie would be over. Like even nothing interested her. No, the none of the explosions, the funny lines, <laughs> the epic fight scenes. Like, none of that interested her. So I gotta give it to my mom. She suffered through it so we, so we could enjoy it in theaters. And for me, I left the theater going Marvel hit its stride, man. Like Marvel hit uh, a peak here that I was kind of skeptical of um, because they were the first to kind of do it, to bring a bunch of superheroes that all had different storylines in different movies together for one storyline. And, They did it beautifully, man. They tied it all together. And so that was I was so impressed with that. I remember sitting in theater being so impressed that they were able to take different key elements from all of the films and tie them into the Avengers movie. And so to me, when I left, I was like, this is the action movie of action movies. Um, Yeah, yeah, it was it was awesome. So what, what was your initial impact, man?
0: All right, so let's do a little story here for the initial impact. So anyway, <laughs> there is a time where the baton must be passed. In 2012 there was one superhero movie I wanted to see more than anything. And it was not the Avengers. It was The Dark Knight Rises. Oh, <laughs> I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait. I waited for this movie for years was pretty excited about the portrayal of Bane. I was like, Oh, you know, that looks pretty, that looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I get behind that. Um, so excited. This Avengers movie coming. Out, I was like, yeah, I'd be pretty good, but I mean, you know, just dumb popcorn flick. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing deep like what Nolan gives us. And, uh, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> went to the movie theater. This is back, back when like early midnight showings were a thing. Like, like, there was a time where, if you want to see a movie, like on the the day it came out, right, you went at midnight. And so, uh, Hans and I were engaged at the time. We're like, you know what? I've never been to a midnight movie. You ever been to a midnight movie? She was like, no, I've never been to a midnight movie. I was like, let's go to a midnight movie, right? Let's just do it, right? Let's just do it. <laughs> we got, we got to go to work and, and all that <laughs> stuff tomorrow, but who cares?
1: Oh my God. So,
0: so, anyway, I, uh, go to this midnight showing and then come to find out could have gone like six hours earlier. <laughs> like at six o'clock or whatever because they did pre-midnight showings, and that first thing was like, oh man, could have gone way earlier and gone to bed at a decent hour. <laughs> um, but go to this movie and there's this man there and he's in a wheelchair working at the movie theater and this guy was a hustler. So... Go in and he's like, "Oh, you, what what movie? Are you gonna see? you going to see Avengers?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to see Avengers. Of course, I'm going to see Avengers. Is there like another movie showing at midnight?" <laughs> and uh, anyway, well, he's like, "Which movie do you want? Do you want to, Do you want to, uh, Do you want the 3D XD experience or do you want to go to the standard version?" And, and I was like, "Oh, you know, stand, standard's fine."
1: And he's like a oh, standard kind of guy, yeah.
0: You're gonna want to see this movie in 3D XT. Let me tell you, 3D XT, I mean, this <laughs> this is this is uh, amazing. It's unlike anything I've ever seen before in my life. He's gonna it's gonna shake you to your core, you're gonna love it. And this guy's giving me a good like pitch. I'm like, all right, man, that is oh, work shoot. We're gonna <laughs> movie theater. I assume you've seen a lot of movies. Give me the 3D. All right, let's Aww. do it. I'm all excited about it. He's like, all right, let's be 3850. <laughs> <laughs> what for th- <laughs> For two tickets? For two tickets? Thirty-eight fifty. And and you know, my at this point, like there's a line, there's people there. I'm like, oh gosh, just geez. I'm like uh-uh. having to pull out forty dollars of cash. <laughs> <laughs> See a movie? I haven't even gotten popcorn yet. Jeez. Oh my god. And um so anyway, fork over way too much money for this movie. Could have bought like the the Blu-ray release. And <laughs> and and another movie, so <laughs> yeah,
1: Dude, you could have bought tickets to go meet the director at this point, <laughs> seriously.
0: So, anyway, we get there, and then first of all, the sound in the XD or whatever it was called it was something like I, it wasn't XD, but it was whatever their big like mega theater was at the time. The sound was awesome, the sound was mm-hmm. phenomenal, however. The 3D was so frustrating. Like the the movie was blurry. It was like, oh man, I don't I don't even know what's going on here. And so anyway, the visual experience was not not what I wanted it to be. <laughs> but the sound was amazing. Okay, um, <laughs> it sounded great. And so anyway, um, <laughs> I, I watched this movie and I did like it. I liked it quite a bit. And I immediately left that movie theater being really nervous because I thought to myself, like, Dark Knight Rises has got a lot to live up to come (laughs) July. And uh, sure enough, um, I'm pretty sure The Avengers was the best superhero movie that came out that summer. Yeah. It's sad to say, but I do like The Dark Knight Rises. I do. We'll have to do an episode on that that one day but it was the passing of the baton with the release of the avengers it was like marvel is is here to stay like these yeah. movies are a force it's it's no longer a niche it's no longer this little thing for nerds like this is pop mm-hmm. culture and that's yes. that's what i thought when i left that that movie theater like people laughing out loud like during some mm-hmm. some of the good humor from back in the original ones. Like I also loved the scale of this movie. Like it was big scale, mm. but it wasn't like big. it wasn't like ridiculous infinity war and endgame scale. Like I th- yeah. think there got a point where the scale of the movies got too big. Um mm. And it was just, like, yeah. it was awesome. It was great to see all the characters teaming up. It was really nice to see Hawkeye uh, for the first time because I was excited about Clint Barton um, mm-hmm. because he's, like, I always like the I like the human characters who are just thrown in with the Avengers, who are just, like, good at what they do. Like, you're good at what you do. Black Widow, Hawkeye, they're, just, they're just phenomenal what yeah what they do. It's like, yeah, that, yeah, that'd probably be more me, you know? I just want to be good at something. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... But, you know, I thought it was it was great. It was just it was a it was a movement, man. Like in mm-hmm. like I, I feel I feel like it was one of those things where I was the perfect age to kind of witness it happen, too, because, mm-hmm. you know, early 20s kind of seeing like, holy cow, all the things I was scared to tell people I was into when I was a kid. It's like, this is it now. Like, this is it. If you're not into it, then you're the loser. And, yeah, yeah. and so that was kind of like the initial appeal. Like, and, and I remember just seeing the stats of how much money it was making like every day. I was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. It was huge when it came out.
1: Huge. All over the yeah. world.
0: Yeah. But yeah, loved it from, from the beginning. And uh, just noticed the passing of the baton from the Batman
1: series to MCU. <laughs> Marvel so, was here to stay. Yeah. Yep. For, for sure. a while. <laughs> for sure. After this one. Yeah. Yeah, man. <clears throat> cool. All right. So do we want to move on to the rankings here and then wrap this thing up? Yeah, let's move on to the
0: rankings. We'll wrap it up here. Um, I, You can go, what order do you want to go in? Do you want to go our favorite to least favorite or do you want to go least favorite to favorite? Um, Let's go least favorite to favorite. All right. So we have ranked the MCU phase one from uh, worst to best for you guys. And we will have, Zach, I'll have you go first. Do you want me to run through all of them? I'll run through all of them. Yeah, sure. Just go through them, and then if you want to add any commentary, go for it. All
1: right. So coming in at number six for me, The Incredible Hulk. This is is just not a good movie. It's a skip every time. Just I forget about it most of the time. Mm -hmm. So number five, Iron Man 2. Wasn't a fan of that. Number four, Captain America, that and Iron Man 2 flip flop for me every now and then. Okay, Sometimes I like it more. Sometimes I like it less. But I enjoyed it a little more this time when I saw it. So Captain America is number four. Number three, Avengers. The Avengers movie. Number three. Number two, Iron Man. And of course, I've already said it. Number one. Thor.
0: Number one Thor. See, I love the fact that you are not ashamed whatsoever to put Thor as your number one. I would I would say nine out of ten MCU fans would say you are out of your mind.
1: Um, <laughs> Dude, it's the best one. It's I, so good.
0: I love your love for that film because mm-hmm. that one will always hold a special place in my heart because of Trash Theater. <laughs> um, because of just, like, how far we had to go to spend $3 on a movie. Like, I think mm-hmm. we rode the train for, like, an hour, dude. Like, it was insane. But oh I I love God. that it's your number one, man. I, I love yep. that. Number one. All man. right, here we go. Uh, Cody's list, we're going to start with the worst, The Incredible Hulk. I mean, this is... I mean, I think it's non-negotiable at this point that The Incredible Hulk is a lower-tier MCU movie on just about everybody's list because I think oh, yeah. I think because of its isolation, I think because of it being kind of confusing where it picks up, I think because The Hulk is just hard to do, uh, there's a lot of reasons. Uh, and then number five for me is Captain America, um, a, a movie which, you know, it's just... It's not bad. Like, it's not a bad movie but it's not a great movie and you know, it teeters on being an average to good movie. Um, mm-hmm. it's somewhere in between there because there's nothing th- there's, there's nothing that I sit down and I'm like, you know what? I want to watch captain America today. And you know, like that's to me, yeah. that's what qualifies a good movie. Like, can I sit down on a Saturday afternoon and just say like, Hey, let's watch this. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And Captain America is not one of those movies. Um, Captain America is the movie I watch uh, when I need to have the story set up for Avengers, which is
1: basically it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> when I need to know what's going on in another movie.
0: <laughs> so, anyway, um, coming in at number four is Iron Man 2. While I don't think that it is a great movie. I do think that it has good enough parts to be better than Captain America. Um, mm. Number three is Thor. It was really hard for me to put this at number three because I love this movie. My top three are all movies that I really like. Um, yeah. Uh, mainly, I think Thor, for me, the reason it ranks number three is just because I left the theater, loved the movie, but with the top two here, I left the theater and was like, wow, this is... This is uh, a cultural phenom. phenom. Uh, So number two for me is going to be The Avengers. Uh, There was a Mm -hmm. time where I probably would have put this at number one. But when you are detached from the hype and you view it going back to it, this is actually a movie that when the rose-colored glasses are off, um, it is not as good as you initially remember it. It is still good. It's still very good. But this movie is Mm. not as good as I remembered seeing it in the theater. I remember seeing it in Mm. the theater and being like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. (laughs) Um, And I think part of it is because the formula for it was copied so many times in other MCU films. And it, Mm. um, it does have quite a few slow parts that are just, like, really off with the pacing. Like, it goes... It's, like... It's basically, like, a high-interval training workout. That's what Avengers is. Mm -hmm. Uh, You go, like, real high, and that's just like, okay, we need some exhibition right here. Uh, And then there is what is probably gonna be number one on my list for a long time uh, is Iron Man. Uh, The very first Iron Man movie. And one thing I will say is Iron Man is a type of movie where like you don't need to like superhero movies to like it you don't need to even really like action movies all that much to like it like it's just it's, it's, it's just, just yeah it's a good hit movie with so many people um mm-hmm. however i do think that uh how much you like iron man all depends on how much you can stomach tony stark and robert downey yeah Jones's portrayal of him uh, and there's some mm-hmm. people who just don't like that Um, so I can understand for people who might not like Iron Man, because not everybody does. I do. Mm -hmm. Um, I just want to close out here with a closing thought. Um, Why I think phase one of the MCU was so groundbreaking. And Zach, if you want to add some closing thoughts about your overall perspective of MCU phase one, go for it. But for me, I think I got to witness before my very eyes um, a cultural phenomenon happen To where we got to see a modern mythology develop before our very eyes. Like, based on, you know, characters that were beloved and known. So, it's not completely original. But the popularity and how ingrained the MCU is now in American culture. It literally was watching the development of a myth. And phase one's really where it kicked off. And it didn't really launch into the stratosphere until six movies in, man. Like, mm-hmm. like all the other movies did pretty well and they did good. But once you got to that sixth movie, it's like, wow, this is something else. And yeah. And that's really how I view the MCU and phase one started at it all. It's like, this is kind of like the 21st century mythology, which is pretty kind of mm-hmm. neat to think about. Uh, yeah. And it happen in film form and it's fun, and I think that's kind of why Thor 2 is so special because it's like, it's mythology in mythology. You know, it's got layers. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of like my overarching conclusion is like, we got to witness unfold before our very eyes um, a contemporary mythology be told and probably be ingrained in culture
1: for a long time to come. Yeah. No, that's a good point, man. I think for me, I, I think by the end of this first phase was when I was starting to get into superhero movies. So I wasn't fully invested into the mythology of the superhero just yet. I, I was dabbling in it. I was dabbling very much in it by the Avengers, but I don't think I was fully indoctrinated into the mythology until phase two. So for me, phase one was a great start. For me, phase one was a cultural movement in a direction that I would eventually hop on the train midway through. Mm -hmm. But I was still getting into superhero movies. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's a testament to what Marvel did with the first phase was people like me who are not really into superheroes at that time drew me into the superhero mythology, the superhero universe. And so that is powerful storytelling to take something that I'm not super interested in and pull me into it. And by phase two, I was buying comics. So once we do phase two, man, I'm going to have a lot to say about the Marvel universe, but I was very happy, very satisfied with phase one. Yeah. So phase
0: one is done. We just recorded for almost three hours. Thank you guys so much for sticking with us for this whole time. If you have made it to the end, if you guys would like to share with us on our community tab at steel if you want to share with us your rankings of MCU phase one, I would love to see those. We'll share them on the show and we'd love to hear from you guys. And if there is anything that we said blasphemous, please tell us, because we'd love to know. And uh, um, we may or may not agree with you, but we would love to hear it. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Parallel Quest. We will talk to you next time, but for now, goodbye. Bye!